I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no friend to global governance bionic. Oh, you always give away the surprise. <laughs> Sorry. This is a new week of shows, and uh, as always, we've got another incredible guest yeah. that's with us. We have Dr. Michael Kaufman, who is the founder of Environmental Perspectives Incorporated, mm-hmm. and is a brother in the Lord who has taken on a tremendous undertaking of which yeah. he has fought with Herculean proportions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about the ominous agenda behind global warming and the environmental movement. And wow. uh, we've got a gentleman here who's gone toe-to-toe against all of the principalities and powers of the United Nations and has prevailed. And He's something else, man. Worldwide uh, charters and worldwide treaties that would have drastically changed their life, he and, and his compatriots. And not... Nary American know the service he's done. No, oh, you know? nobody knows. There's yeah. no holiday for him. Nobody's no. got him a. Nobody even got him a gift basket. No, no, no. Nothing. I might do that. Nothing. Yeah. You know, but we we will celebrate celebrities or music stars or sports stars, but mm-hmm. not someone like this gentleman who has dedicated yeah. his life. And it's going to be a great show. Any last comments before we go into yeah, it? Let's just go to it. Okay. Uh, you're going to be amazed what you hear in this interview. So no further ado, here's Dr. Michael Kaufman. We'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And um, as you know, if you're regular Futurians and listeners to our show, you know we have a parade of guests, of very brave um, men and women who come to our show who have sacrificed much in terms of career and prestige to do what they thought was the right thing on behalf of their uh, fellow citizens and fellow Christian uh, believers. And tonight is no exception. Um, we have uh, today uh, Dr. Michael Kaufman, who is the founder of Environmental Perspectives Incorporated, and we're going to talk about the ominous agenda behind global warming and the environmental movement. And I just want to tell you, Dr. Kaufman, it is an honor to have you on the Future Quake Show. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Well, we've planned to have you on for some time. And I just want to thank you for joining us today. And I want to give a call out to uh, one of our friends of the show, Brother Tim. Brother Tim. Who really stayed on our case to uh, expedite uh, this. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some time we've been wanting to, wanting to have you on, and I'm just glad that Tim stayed on our case to do it because uh, the more I got into this, the more I realized how urgent this message was that we're going to cover today. Uh, to begin our very important discussion today, not to waste any further time, can you share with our listeners a little bit about your credentials and your background in the field? Certainly. I have a Ph.D. in uh, ecosystems analysis and been working in this field for about 25 years. It's when in charge of a multi-million dollar research effort on global warming and acid rain back in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Hmm when it became quite obvious to me that the whole premise of man-caused global warming because of carbon dioxide increases in our atmosphere was not correct. And the more I got involved in it and tracking back exactly what was going on, 
the more I began to realize that it was nothing more than an agenda to basically begin the process of shifting our economy to international control. Wow. Right. That's a mouthful. Well, I, I want uh, I want our listeners to understand, as I alluded to at the beginning, that this is a gentleman who is extremely successful in this field, and, mm-hmm. and you've been very modest. You've not talked about all your, your credentials, but uh, extremely well-esteemed in your field. You've paid a price with your education, with with uh, your, your working through your field to become a leader in your field uh, within industry uh, in, in a very lucrative position where you were, and it was a hard-earned position. And you made a very brave stand to uh, put your efforts that are not as lucrative in the area of trying to expose uh, injustice and wrong that's being done that uh, has evil overtones and is something that has a spiritual component to it and that all citizens should care about, but particularly Christians. Mm-hmm. And I just want to thank you for your brave stand and the example that you set for the rest of us. Well, thank you very much. But one of the things that I think I need to encourage all of you in the listening audience with is that you never know how God is going to use you and as a consequence, you always need to be ready to give witness to what God is prompting you to do. And I've been able to, because of what I've done, actually stop this international agenda dead in its tracks a couple of times. And uh, it's not because of me at that particular moment. I'm not saying I'm perfect, mm-hmm. but at that moment I was obedient, and God used it in a very powerful way. So if if our listeners don't remember anything else, and they're going to have a lot to remember in this show, a lot that should shock them and, and imprint on their minds, but if there's one thing, it's the fact that if they turn their, their trust over to the Lord, even if they've invested a lot of their life and in their career and things where they're going, and he opens a door something very different, and it may be very scary when you're going in, in places no one's ever gone, that the Lord has already provided a way, and it's going to be a way of blessing that he could even provide to those who are faithful, correct? Absolutely. In Romans 8.28, all things come to good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So always keep that in mind, no matter how difficult things seem to be and so forth. If you're called to do something, uh, God will see you through it. Well, and uh, I would I would venture to guess, even with all the success you had in your career with uh, various companies I know I've seen on your website uh, that, you, that you mentioned that uh, you, you've worked for and provided leadership in your industry, uh, you have had more impact – uh, on the world through your activities, through this direct, ver- verifiable impact than you ever would have had in your former secular job, correct? Absolutely, without any question whatsoever. I've, I will have to admit that I never dreamed in my wildest imagination, say 20 years ago, that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Well, it's just amazing to think that there are going to be generations of people out there enjoying the planet, the parks, the streams, the mountains, other things that will probably never know your name. And we'll never know uh, your involvement, your cohorts, the, those who were assisting you, how critical your actions were at a key point in time and mm-hmm. continue to be for them to be able to enjoy the wonderful pleasures of this earth. And now I want to talk about some specifics in that. But uh, where you are right now, you, you, you have several different uh, organizations and groups you have an affiliation with, and they all represent different facets of what your actions are now. Can you explain to us the various organizations you're involved with and, and what their goals and scope are? Well, you already mentioned that I started what's called Environmental Perspectives Incorporated. That's our consulting firm uh, to be able to do the rest. Uh, we do consulting work with other organizations, with industries and so forth, as to how they can approach an environmental issue with concern and so forth without it destroying the company or the people that work for it or the nation in general. 
the other one is Sovereignty International that I'm very much involved in. I'm CEO of that particular. It's a 501c3 organization, tax-exempt and educational organization. And there we track what's going on in the United Nations, what's going on in Congress as it deals with the environment or other critical issues. And we actually try to begin to educate people as to what is the truth behind all of the of the smoke and mirrors and so forth that you hear on your evening news? Uh, one of the ones that we've been working on here recently, of course, is global warming. We'll be talking more about that this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the others are property rights. Uh, we've done a lot on the issue of property rights. Uh, we've actually stopped international treaties that would destroy private property rights. People, the evidence we have, all the data necessary that we can't, no nation can have wealth creation without private property rights. It's impossible. And as a consequence, uh, it is the backbone of the wealth in this nation. And we are rapidly destroying that, the basis of wealth creation in this nation with all the regulations and so forth. Another thing that we've been doing is uh, really following very closely the international effort to create what is called global governance, which is a euphemism for nothing more than government which has, of course, immense biblical implications. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have done a yeoman's job on that. If you go to our website, Sovereignty.net, you'll find a, a series of, of uh, DVDs uh, that you actually get them on the net that show very clearly the stepwise, product, stepwise effort that has been going into this for the last 50 to 60 years and the people that are involved, how they've done it, and how they have been able basically to keep this out of the public eye. Mm-hmm. And so we're on the final stages of bringing together, and I think you'll see it the rest of this year or perhaps uh, even into 2010, but you will see global governance take control over our nation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But up to, this, up to this time, though, it's been people that have billion, literally billions of dollars of financing, supporting their agenda, access to the top echelons of power, political office, United Nations, elsewhere, versus your band of merry men, correct? Yes, that's about right. Although there are many bands of merry men that we're not by any stretch of the imagination out there by ourselves, uh, I want to take my hat off to many, many groups and organizations and individuals like us that are doing the same kinds of things in other fields. Uh, there is no way that a, a single group or an individual can keep track of everything that's going on across this broad front to enable global governance because it impacts every single aspect of our lives, and no one person can keep track mm-hmm. of it all. But for our listeners out there who are wondering that their life doesn't have meaning, they don't feel like they're making a difference in life, there are opportunities to be Davids against Goliath. Mm-hmm. And do something that has virtue, that has ultimate long-term meaning, uh, that when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you can say you did something that really did make the world a better place, both temporally and eternally as well, correct? Absolutely. And I want to really emphasize that particular point. You just never know how God is going to use you in a particular situation that could change the course of history. Uh, I know he did it with me. Uh, we would have a very, very bad treaty right now if it weren't for the actions that I did about oh, 12 years ago and stopped an international treaty from being ratified that would have basically taken out of human use about one-half of the United States. Uh, this is what Holy the cow. objective of this particular treaty was, yet nobody knew what it was because nobody had done their homework. Well, it wasn't really hard to figure it out. 
once you gone went back and looked at the United Nations documents, looked at all the work that has been done in that, who was doing it, and so forth, and what treaty was designed to do, and we were able to stop it in the U.S. Senate. And this is God working. You know, it's not that you can do it or I can do it. It's what God can do through us. One hour before the treaty was to be ratified, we got this information on the Senate floor, and it blew it right out of the water. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just an hour. It's a cliffhanger situation. But that's how God works. Well, and I just want to remind people that there's more to, to working for God than standing behind a pulpit. Not that that's yes. not critically important. And I thank, I'm thankful for our pastors, thankful for those who are Sunday school teachers, for who other ministries that they do. But there are other things that you could be called to use your skills in science, to use your skills in law, uh, whatever that you have that you can donate to the Lord. There are battles that the church is supposed to be showing up for. Uh, and, and we're doing it in, with, full, uh, with full support of the Bible and with scriptural justification behind it to defend the defenseless and to do what the Lord would do if he was here, to protect those who are innocent, uh, to restrain evil, uh, to do these things under the guise. And we know who, who the prince of this world is and, and, and who, who runs the kingdoms of this world. We, we know that things are going to get bad if uh, those of you who, who have a biblical view of the, of the Lord's return. But that does not excuse us from not taking responsibility about being our neighbor's keep, keeper and being a spiritual mentor to those around us. And I see yours is just yet another example uh, of a group of people who have decided to make the sacrifice to do that. Yes, I think we are, and we're, like, like I said before, one amongst many organizations and individuals that are fighting this battle. And I would say this, if it wasn't for us, uh, we would be already in global governance or or world government right now. It would have already mm-hmm. happened. And we, may not even, how, yeah, we might not even have this radio show right now. That's right. But you know it was not in God's timetable. And he found those who were willing to serve him in that way to go out on a limb and begin to do some of these things and we stopped just from being implemented, mm-hmm. stopped them cold. Right. And uh, as a consequence, we still have some of our freedoms. We're losing them very rapidly. In fact, they're in a free fall right now. Yeah. But it's, uh, if it's not in God's timing, he'll raise up someone, maybe you, to do something that you think is minor or really not that important, and all of a sudden it'll throw a roadblock in the mm-hmm. path and bring it to a dead halt. You might be a, Jos- a Josiah, in other words. You might have a yeah. time of re- revival, uh, a time of golden age where more people can find the Lord, more people find an opportunity. Uh, it, it, it might be a time of uh, like Hezekiah where he was given a few extra years, uh, things like this. So uh, we, we have that calling, and I hope our listeners have taken this message to heart. Yeah. And as we proceed into the, the main content, the, the, the scientific content, I want to remind our listeners that what you're going to say is disputing what they're hearing in the TV, in the newspapers, in the media, in the classrooms. But but this is a gentleman who is an expert. He, he has a Ph.D. in this field in, in environmental-type sciences uh, and, and in earth sciences. He uh, is well-established expert, recognized in the industry. He has no profit motive to, to speak of for what he's doing. He doesn't have any kind of big corporate interest that are putting words in his mouth. He is speaking this out of concern for his fellow citizens. So when you try to assess what he's getting ready to say uh, compared to what you hear from all these other venues, think about who is bankrolling 
the other people that are giving you the rest of the information you're getting versus this brother in the Lord who is sacrificing his time and providing his expertise to tell us the truth. So having said that, uh, the main topic or the following topic is the main keystone of our discussion uh, today, and it could very easily fill numerous shows uh, if if we let it. But I want to briefly just summarize the main points uh, so uh, we we can focus on this regarding this global warming issue, and, and and focus on the societal ramifications of the aspects of global warming. And and for details, I want to refer our listeners to your DVD, Global Warning or Global Governance. Yeah. Or other materials that you have available to study in greater depth. And could you please quickly mention uh, what those materials are that, that you have available and where they, can they get them? Well, we have the two DVDs. One is Global Governance or Global, Go- I'm sorry, Global Warming or Global Governance, which not only goes into the fallacy that humans are causing global warming, but why, the political agenda behind it and where it's taking us and so forth. The other one is brand new. It's only a couple of weeks that we've had it on the market. It's called Global Warming, Emerging Science and Understanding. That one is designed for our high school and middle school classrooms. It's hmm. divided up into three lessons along with lesson plans for the teachers and so forth. It is a powerful DVD, and I would encourage all of you to take a look at it because, and then give it to your, your science teachers at your mm-hmm. high school and so forth. Because they're not going to get this otherwise. Uh, there's, we don't have any money for advertising or anything of that nature. And even if we sent out a circular to this effect, the National Education Association would squash it in a moment. Right. And so the only way these teachers are really going to get this is by getting it into their schools and giving it to them. Mm-hmm. Now, many of the teachers are going to throw it away because they are very much involved in this mm-hmm. um, the deception and so right. forth that's mm-hmm. going on. But you'd be surprised how many teachers out there are wanting alternative sources of information. So that's global warming, emerging science, are, and understanding our global, global warming, uh, our global governance. Both of those DVDs are excellent, are informative. Uh, you can find them on discerningtoday.org. Hmm. That's discerningtoday.org. That's D-I-S-C-E-R-N-I-N-G today.org. If you're like me, you don't know how to spell discerning. So <laughs> we'll have that. We'll, we'll have that link at futurequake.com when you go sure. into our past shows, where we'll have the show archived. It'll also be on there as well too. Uh, yeah, d i s c e r n i n g today dot org. Uh, and also, I just like to suggest other things. Uh, if if uh, young people in junior high or, or senior high school have uh, something akin to like a show-and-tell thing or even elementary school. If they want to take something like in there and show it, uh, be proactive. Go in there and pop it in the DVD in your classroom. All they can do is yank it out. Uh, And it tells a story to students when people are so concerned about information, they have to ban it. Uh, When people ban information, people naturally are attracted to it. So sometimes we have to provoke their hands sometimes. But uh, I would suggest take it to uh, Boy and Girl Scout meetings. Why not yep. take it and show it there? Uh, Awanas groups, uh, uh, any kind of yeah. uh, groups like that. If show up to your door for the Girl Scout cookies, you can like, maybe swap them. Well, yeah. Give me some Girl Scout cookies, I'll uh, give you some DVDs. That's right. Put yeah. it put it in a uh, Halloween basket. Of course, they might want some candy with it, too. But, mm. but be creative. <laughs> give it to your pastor. Let your pastor look at it. Uh, any other kind of uh, social groups that get together. There's no reason why I couldn't be a part of it. But on to this issue of global warming. I know we have a, a ton to talk about and our time's getting away. But can you very briefly capsulize the main scientific ecological points those in the man-made global warming camp make about this phenomena and why it's a danger 
and then your brief retort to each one of them. Well, you know, you ask a very good question to be brief about it. it, it I could talk for three hours on yeah, the major bet. points, but I want to just highlight maybe two or three or four at the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them, if you've ever listened to or watched Al Gore's DVD, Earth in, or not Earth in the Balance, that's his book, uh, The Inconvenient Truth, what you see him is walking up and back and forth across this 30 or 40 foot screen and behind him showing that carbon dioxide and Earth's temperature are highly related, highly correlated. And therefore, the premise is that he makes the, he helps you to make the assumption that because carbon dioxide is going up and down, that's causing the temperature to go up and down. That is what you take away from watching that particular portion of his DVD. Yeah. And he encourages you in a number of different ways that that is actually the case. Mm-hmm. When you, in fact, actually look at the relationship and really get down and one over at the top of the other, the CO2 is on the top, the dominant position, the temperature is on the bottom, indicating that there's, it's responsive to CO2. It's a trick of the mind, really, to get you to think this way because he passes it off and basically it's this concept is a complex relationship. When, in fact, if you actually overlay those lines, and I show you this in both DVDs, what you find is that temperature always precedes carbon dioxide. In other words, it's not carbon dioxide that actually causes temperature to change. It's temperature that causes carbon dioxide to change. It's a trailing relationship, yeah. Yes. It's a very good reason for that because there's 40 times more carbon dioxide in the oceans than there is in the atmosphere, and the oceans can only hold so much carbon dioxide if it's a low temperature or a high temperature. So when the oceans warm, they emit more carbon dioxide. Two or 300 years later, the carbon dioxide level of the Earth goes up, and then vice versa. It's a very easily to explain physical response. The other thing that I think is critically important for people to realize, when he talks about an increase of 20 feet of flooding, if you melt half of Greenland and half of Antarctica, uh, that is pure fallacy. It might happen in several thousand years, but it would never happen in our, re- you know, two or three generations downstream. We have seen temperatures, and understand this, we have seen temperatures that are two to three degrees warmer than they are right now, as little as 800 years ago. Uh, so the temperatures that we have right now are really not that warm in comparison to Earth's history. When you go back, say, 8,000 years, they were 6 to 8 degrees warmer than they are right now, Mm -hmm. and they got warmer faster than they are right now. Mm -hmm. In fact, we haven't seen any warming since 1998. In other words, we've seen about two-tenths to three-tenths of a degree cooling in the last 10 years. We're not in global warming. Dr. Kaufman, let me ask you something. Uh, What what I hear people say, though, is that, oh, it's it's not the natural loading of CO2 is a problem. It's the artificial loading since the industrial age and the fact that we're dumbing so much ourselves. That's the real driver. It's not natural. We have overloaded it with our artificial activities. Can you comment on the relative contribution we make to the CO2 load in the atmosphere versus natural processes? It's, It's... Considering all of the potential greenhouse gases that are out there, there's water vapor and clouds account for 76 to 85% of all the potential greenhouse effects. Those are natural. Carbon dioxide at most accounts, and this is including natural carbon dioxide, 27%. When you actually look at what man 
actually presents, it drops to about three-tenths of a percent. In other words, we're saying, the, the media and the United Nations and others are basically saying that three... The, the driving phenomenon behind global warming in the 20th century was carbon dioxide, even though human emissions only make up of the total amount of greenhouse gases. Say that again. What, what percent is man-made? 0.3%. 0. 0.3%. Maybe, okay. Yeah, maybe it's 0. 0.4. I'm not going to quibble over exactly what it is. It's less than 1%. Okay, so that's wow. the total impact. So right. if the, it, it, let's say we increase by 20% our CO2 discharge artificially, right. that's going to be a 20 thousands of a percent. Thousands of a percent, and 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 the system is not so sensitive that and unstable that you get runaway uh, no. temperature fluctuations because of that tiny bit addition. In fact, if you if you get the DVD Emerging Science. What you will find is that over the last two years, a huge amount of science has come out basically discrediting this concept that there can be a runaway warming of the earth. It just cannot happen because there is a feedback system. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. And that was a great initial segment. Um, I know I spend a lot of time trying to find out individual stuff about people mm-hmm. rather than always the show content. Yeah. But I think it reveals a lot when we find Christian brothers yeah. like uh, Brother Kaufman here who sacrificed an incredibly lucrative position that he, he really paid his dues, both he's educational no rigor- and yeah, career. He's no stranger to rigorous scientific research but he, or to the Lord. He walked away from all yeah. of this thing when he got to a stage of his career to reap the major benefits because he saw something alarming to all citizens. Well, I hope that the Lord gives him really strong neck muscles in that glorified body. Cause for that gonna, huge For crown. that huge gold crown he's going to wear. It's yeah. a pleasure. Just You know, that's one of the best things about this show is just meeting people like him. Yeah. Also, uh, meeting our friend Merv, who's yeah. going to come in and tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're on borrowed time. Out. Okay, come back for the next segment tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Sayonara. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, I don't want to live under a global government, Bionic. All right. And that set the stage for our guest this week as we begin part two mm-hmm. of our uh, segment of interview with Dr. Michael Kaufman, mm-hmm. uh, head of the Environmental Perspectives uh, Company, Incorporated. And we're talking about the ominous agenda behind global warming in the environmental movement. And I forgot to say something yesterday. This particular show is the last show of our fourth year. <laughs> couldn't hear that. Fourth year of broadcasting Future Quake. <laughs> we have completed four years of continuous 
show. That's amazing. It is amazing, isn't it, that we're still here? That just shows you it's a testimony to how bad programming is elsewhere. (laughs) And we're getting ready next week to start our fifth year. That's Isn't that awesome. amazing? We should have a little cake or something on there. Yeah, I figured yeah. that the Lord would have returned before now, but oh well, it, you know He's tarried. So yeah, there's a lot of people who next year up. in Jerusalem. Yeah, what I have to say. Well, what we next need to do is go hear Doctor Kaufman. Yeah. So no further ado, here's Doctor Michael Kaufman, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Uh, now let me see if I understand this because I'm a neophyte at this. It, sure, that's you're fine. basically just thinking about this mathematically. That contribution is so small that all you're doing is perturbing the system. You're doing just a slight perturbation. And the fact is, if the system uh, is is um, uh, a, ro- a robust system that that has sort of its own control system mechanism, it will automatically readjust back to equilibrium. It doesn't Absolutely. resonate like a like a spring would resonate. You hit a bump and it just keeps stretching until it comes apart. This has a dampening approach that it actually right. dampens those perturbations. Correct? That's Absolutely. the system we're Absolutely. talking about. That's right. that's exactly correct. And let me just kind of give you. Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, an understandable situ- or understandable reason for that. You have what is called positive and negative feedbacks. If it's a positive feedback, what's going to happen is you can have runaway uh, global warming, and we can make the Earth cook like Venus has. Hmm. And this is what the basic models, the climate change models, are based upon: is that there's a critical point of which we can have a point of no return. This is what the newspapers are screaming about, and so forth, even today. The, the thing that we have shown very conclusively the last two years in science is that the feedback is negative. It's not positive. So the, what happens is the more you get of warming, the more lower clouds are formed. There's a very good reason for that. I can explain it if you want me to. And the more low clouds there are, the more the sun reflects off the top of those clouds. If you've ever been in an airplane flown over clouds, you find that they're very bright and white. That's because the sun is reflecting off of those clouds. All that energy that would have gone to warming the earth now is reflected back out into space, and it doesn't warm the earth. That is the negative feedback. And as a consequence, the warmer it gets, the more of those clouds that are formed and the more solar energy that's reflected back into the space, and as a consequence, the earth cools. It's a very, very clear-cut relationship so and it can reestablish equilibrium then. It, it, it reestablishes not, equilibrium. You almost make me believe there was some kind of intelligent designer creator that designed the system <laughs> to be tolerant of these changes. But of course, that's an insane idea. I would never propose such a thing as a Absolutely, as an yeah, intelligent right. design. Absolutely, never want to talk about that. It's, it's almost uh, someone has designed it to where uh, it limits the uh, extent of uh, of man's recklessness, or or foresaw the recklessness, and designed a system that was robust enough to tolerate it to to some extent at least. Yes, I, I would say that the biosphere, the Earth's biosphere, is very resilient. Now, we don't want to make that, use that as an excuse, and I think we'll talk about this right. in a moment. Right. We don't want to use that as an excuse to do whatever we want to because God will fix it eventually. Uh, that's not the task that he has given us. Instead, we are to be his stewards. But at the same time, the fact that he has given the earth for man's benefit should say something about the fact that we have a lot of latitude in what we do. We need to be good stewards, but yet the impact that we're going to have on earth it's going to be within his range of tolerance. 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he wouldn't have created us that way. That's right. Well, you know what it seems like to me, and I know you've only hit some high spots, and you've done this very skillfully, by the way, to, to pick off some of the just a few of the many, many things you cover in your DVDs. Were you methodical? Yeah. Again, I interrupted to mention one other thing. Yes. Yeah. And that is that carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. I really wanted you to go away from this program understanding the role of carbon dioxide. Uh, you're led to believe by your news media and the scientific, some of the scientific community that we have this horrible gas out there called carbon dioxide. It's not horrible. It's a miracle gas. We could not have life on Earth without it. We absolutely have to have it. And at one time, back when Earth, God created the Earth, the carbon dioxide levels were many times, as many as ten times higher than they are right now. And so that the plants that were created at that time are in tune with a much higher level of carbon dioxide, background carbon dioxide in their atmosphere. As a consequence, and this will blow your mind, as a consequence, as we've gone from 270 parts per billion or million to 380 parts per million over the last 50 to 60 years, what has happened is that plants are growing better. The earth is greener. The NASA has photographs to show this very crop yields. And this is what's most important. Crop yields have gone up by at least 8 to 12 percent. At least 8 to 12 percent. That means the poor nations in Africa and so forth that are out there scrubbing out some corn and so forth are getting that much more yield from their crops than they did before. And not only that, because carbon dioxide is higher, those crops can grow better even when it's dry or there's a lot of pollution. It's amazing what a miracle gas this gas is. And higher concentrations, as I said before, do not hurt animal life, including human beings. Uh, most of our greenhouses that are providing tomatoes and so forth during the winters, uh, they will have anywhere up to a thousand parts per million uh, when the ambient temperature, or ambient carbon dioxide around this is 380. It'll be double, triple what we we normally find in our ambient or natural conditions. So carbon dioxide and the workers that are working in those greenhouses do just fine. There's no That's problem right. whatsoever. It's, it's basic biology in high school that plants it need is. carbon dioxide. That's a fundamental product they use. It, it, again, it almost makes you think of some kind of intelligent design because they take in CO2. Mm-hmm. It helps them uh, with their processes and then photosynthesis and things like nitrogen fixation. And then they release oxygen in, in something that's beneficial for us. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, I, it makes me wonder if the fact that it helps yields in places like Africa. I know our dear friends in places like Monsanto have tried to be so helpful in creating things like Terminator seeds. <laughs> yeah. So that these, these, these poor, uh, poor farmers in Africa have to go back and buy new seeds every time and cannot regerminate them. Oh, gosh. But I'm, the... I'm sure these elites are looking out for all of our interests. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. What, what it reminds me of is a um, combination medicine show. You know, when you talk about them picking off those two graphs and separating them, it's like the medicine show that rolls into town and it's sold some kind of patent medicine to the people that are coming through. We've got global snake oil warming. Snake oil, (laughs) sleight of hand, a little trickery, a little uh, alarmism. And then you've got a little Fuller Brush Salesman moved in there, you know, where Mm -hmm. Fuller Brush Salesman first has to create a need and then fill it. And so the, the, the need is being created with the alarmism on it, and they have something to fulfill that need. It's an alternative, and that is the rest of the story. Uh, on this as well. So this is not being done in a vacuum. They already have a, a quote, solution they recommend 
to address this issue already readily in hand, mm-hmm. and that's that's part of our discussion here. Um, w- one of the main aspects that should be clear to anyone here who has discernment is how this science is being pushed by those with a political agenda. Can you please explain what you think this agenda is politically and how they're doing it and pulling it off and how this has earlier roots and similar efforts for political ideologies to co-opt science for their purposes? You know, I'm thinking of examples that go back like Darwinism and how certain political systems really promoted Darwinism, one is to get rid of a godly heritage of our country and an accountability, but also to get rid of any kind of uh, virtue or absolute truth. So things like communism and other kind of things could be embraced. The the fact that science was used to justify slavery, as well as misinterpretations of the Bible, and and particularly the eugenics movement in the U.S. uh, in the late 19th and 20th century, where um, uh, political movements were strongly tied to eugenics uh, in the U.S. and then supported in Nazi Germany. And now we have the transhumanist movement, which is the next step. Could you explain a little bit the basics of how politics is co-opting science? Right. One of the things that you have to recognize, first of all, Christianity especially is a belief system that is totally counter, I mean absolutely 180 degrees counter what these people want to achieve. And as a consequence, they see the number one enemy is Christianity. And as as a result of that, they are doing everything that they can to discredit Christianity. Any way possible, they will try to discredit Christianity. Darwinism, for instance, was the perfect recipe for doing away with the uh, the earth. And as a consequence, they put tremendous amounts of money in those days into the efforts to sway people into believing that we were through, we were created through, or we were evolved through evolution rather than created through Adam and Eve and by God. And as a result of that, we now have a system within our public school systems and so forth that create, that talks about the evolutionary process forbids the teaching of creationism, even though there is far more evidence, scientific evidence, to support creationism than there ever will be for evolution. In fact, if you really get into the science of evolution, it is untenable from a pure scientific position. Science has come full circle on this particular issue, and now the whole concept of evolution is scientifically impossible. There is no way that it could happen. And yet you never see that in the news, you never see it in our public textbooks uh, or any of these kinds of things that there has to be a creator of some sort of the life that we have on planet Earth. It just can't happen any other way. You you know, something that uh, I I guess I have to make the point of, and this is hard for me to make as a scientist, which I am, and I know you're a scientist as well, and you have a high regard, I'm sure, for the scientific method and for uh, discovering uh, God's wonders of his creation through science and through uh, careful systematic study. But... Uh, ever since probably what, the late 1900 or late uh, 19th century, when technology began to be highly regarded by the public and the industrial age, when when uh, technical science type people tended to be looked at as our saviors uh, to save us from our depravity, we be- began to put these people on a pedestal, and the politicians quickly came along and co-opted these people to use science as a justification to sell an ideology. Is that right. basically the scenario that we're it still in? It is very definitely the scenario. Let me give you a good example of how that was done in a way that we can really understand it right now. 
when in the early 20th century the leaders wanted to create a central bank in the United they tried it before and it failed and so forth and they had too much opposition to get it done so what they did is that they created a new science called economics it didn't exist before the 19th the return of the 19th 18th or 20th century i'm sorry and what they did is to take those leading they didn't have to co-opt them even all they had to do is offer them grants just like they're doing today in global warming offer them thousands of dollars in those days hundreds of thousands of dollars in today's dollars and say that uh, if we set the kind of system up and divided it up like that we were planning on doing and so forth, it would be a good way to go, right? And the scientists grabbed a hold of that money and they came up with the stated conclusion that was desired in the first place, and literally science was purchased. And we're seeing the same thing happen today. Now, I'm not saying that all scientists are falling into this trap. I'm not saying that science is a corrupt system. They are corrupting it. But I think the scientific method and the science as I am as to what is happening with science in this political agenda. And we need to understand that science can be easily corrupted. All you have to do is waste some money in front of some people's noses, and they will become obedient as dogs. That's exactly right. And uh, I've seen that in my personal career. I know you probably have in yours. And uh, the higher up it gets... Uh, the higher up interest and stakes there are to it, the more you see. Although I think you probably offended our co-host here because Tom has a degree in economics. Yeah, well that's okay. <laughs> I've uh, uh, after I remember sitting in front of a, it's a personal story. I remember sitting in front of in a class and raising my hand and asking a question about a uh, an equation on the board, and uh, uh, I said, well what about that variable there? And he said, oh well that's an unknown. And yeah. I said, doesn't that's that catch-all variable? Yeah, doesn't that make up like 50% of the equation? And he <laughs> yeah. said. Well, yeah, and that's a little bit of a problem, but we just try to ignore it was his was yeah, basic answer. Right. So. right. But, we'll you know, that. economics is not the only one. Uh, we're seeing the science corrupted in biodiversity. We're seeing it mm-hmm. We're seeing it corrupted wherever there is a political effort to put mm-hmm. money behind what they want to achieve. And let's face it, we're putting billions of dollars, as much as $8 billion a year, into trying to promote man-caused global warming right now. The, the U.S. government, your taxpayers, your tax dollars are going to fund the very agenda that's trying to destroy us. Uh, mm-hmm. It is uh, a phenomenal thing, but that's exactly what it is. And many of those scientists, let me tell you, we've got a crop of new PhDs coming in every year that need to get a job, that need to support their families and so forth. Right. And it is a tremendous pressure to know that unless you come up with some sort of statement at the end of your results in your discussion that, you know, this relates to man-caused mm-hmm. global warming in such and such a way, you're not going to get your next grant. It's and you don't, as that. you don't eat. You don't eat. That's, I've seen that firsthand. Don't I don't know. That's exactly exactly how it works. Uh, you know, it's it's been documented that uh, the political elite group, the Club of Rome, which most of our group or most of our listeners are familiar with, uh, stated that they devised the environmental movement is a means to get the public to accept population control. Well, there was that, yes. plus and the uh, Iron Mountain, you know, the report from Iron Mountain. The Iron Mountain report, yeah. 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 Now, groups like the Rockefeller and Ford Foundations have funded Hitler's and other eugenic programs around the world. And some of us are a little late to the game in understanding all of this, in finding out this information that, that other people have known for years and trying to get the message to us. 
what are these nonprofits and similar institutions up to in the guise of promoting the environmental movement? What what role are they playing, and what is their agenda? I look at them as shock troops. Uh, they are being controlled by the foundations. Uh, there's been a number of studies done over the last 10 years to show very clearly that the environmental organizations themselves are funded primarily by the big foundations, the Rockefellers, the Pew Charitable Trust, the uh, you know, I can go down the list. You know them. Basically, unregulated, and no oversight at all. No the oversight. Outside. They don't have to pay taxes on trees. And those people, if they want to get their next grant from them, from the foundations, they have to toe the line and do what the foundations want to do, just as the scientists have to do what the government wants them to do. And as a result of this, what you're finding is, even though you know Sierra Club and other organizations get a lot of money from other sources. The driving force is still these foundations. And who are the foundations? They're directly connected to the international elite. I mean, this is, is basically very simple. Uh, it's a very simple equation. And as a consequence, what we're seeing here is that the eugenics program, that the environmental movement are very closely related because they're all designed basically to transfer control to the elite. Now, the elite believe that they are superhumans, much like the, the uh, Hitler thought the German people were, and that they needed to be selectively advanced in this process. Ironically, uh, one of the reasons that we stopped the biodiversity treaty from being ratified in the U.S. Senate an hour before the closure vote was taken was by presenting the evidence to suggest that they felt that the only people that should be have access to Earth's resources, and they said it very clearly, the only people that should have access to Earth's resources were the elite. The rest of us were all serfs designed basically to support the elite and keep our impact on the earth at a minimum rate. Was this because put in right writing? Now, was this put in writing, Dr. Yes, Kaufman? it was called the Global Biodiversity Assessment. Uh, it was not in the final report. We were actually able to show the U.S. Senate a draft copy of what would, would eventually become the final report, and that particular statement was taken out of it. It was no longer in the final copy. But Another that was their intent. That was their intent, That was though. their intent. And it was still their intent. That, that hasn't right. changed anything. Right. They just didn't. They just didn't want everybody else to know about it. Another thing that was taken out of that particular document was a section describing how they had to uproot people out of communities and towns and move them into human occupation zones. Uh, in the because the biodiversity treaty called for setting aside one half of the United States into wilderness area. It would be primarily heavily controlled uh, buffer zones to protect the core attributes of the, the wild the wilderness area. So, Dr. Kaufman, if I understood you correct, you said that up to 50% of the land mass in the United States was intended to be set aside for wilderness and that we would be corralled somehow into the remaining land. Was that what the original plan was? That is. It's still the plan. In fact, most of the nations of the world have actually signed this particular treaty and are beginning, beginning the process right now. It is... Uh, causing a tremendous amount of dislocation in other nations. Uh, many of the advanced nations like Europe and so forth, uh, they're having uh, questions now as to whether or not they can do this because, you know, almost all of their land is occupied, and it would make it very difficult, just like they're having troubles meeting the Kyoto Protocol limits on, on carbon emissions. Uh, ironically, the United States is way ahead of Europe right now in reducing our carbon emissions, even though we've been uh, because the because Europe is so so developed that it's very hard for them to make those kinds of cutbacks. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So we might bear a disproportionate burden then when they start doing yes. this redistribution. Of course, the United States is seen as such a wealthy country that they feel like it behooves them to uh, take our resources and redistribute them uh, elsewhere. Absolutely. In fact, President Obama during his campaign said that we should set aside at least 1% to 2% of our gross domestic product uh, to help third world nations, which brings up another issue. I don't want to get down another rabbit trail, but the thing is, if the third world nations had private property rights, they wouldn't need any foreign aid from us. They could do, they already have the, the equity they need to advance themselves into the 21st century. It's just that they don't have private property rights. That's an aside. Uh, we could move on right along, but one of these days I want to talk about that well, because these people are suffering because of their governments. We'd love to have you back on that because uh, I know some portion of those resources have been uh, stolen from them by the World Bank and these other global yes. groups. With one hand they give and the other hand they take away. In Absolutely. These, in these same globalist groups. Um, regarding the media, what, what role has the media had in programming the public in this issue uh, through their distortions of the science they make and their, their mantra-like repeated media content, the same messages over and over again, both in entertainment and in the so-called news outlets? And how do they serve the political and corporate institutions in, in that agenda? Well, they're extremely important. There's two major efforts that were going on since the first start of the 20th century, and that is in trying to water down our educational system, to dumb down our educational system until we propagandize and indoctrinate the students as they turn into adults. They don't know what they're listening to, and they just go along like lemmings. And the other basically is to undercut the whole process of understanding the neurology, they have created a society. And, you know, I have documents that show the deliberate effort to turn, turn us into a hedonistic society so that we are so busy with all of our activities and so forth, we don't have any time to pay any attention to what they're doing on the global and national scales. And as a consequence, the media has become a key component. And since the before the middle of the 20th century, they have permeated our educators, our um, media schools, to the point where the students, when they graduate, they are totally indoctrinated. Uh, it's amazing as I go around and talk to some of these people that are coming to listen to me and, and do a report when I'm speaking, that they never thought about something of this nature. They never even seen it because they have been trained out of even seeing what is going on. And as a consequence, the media has become extremely important in this process. And the global warming issue has been totally and actively one-sided. major mainstream media outlet has said that they have to become activists because the cost is too high, and therefore we must make progress on stopping global warming, and they're willing to totally ignore and, and demonize and so forth the skeptics, and there are basically probably more skeptics there are now the believers as far as the scientific community is concerned. Uh, and as a result of that, what we're seeing here is not a media that is following a journalistic code. What we see here is a propaganda department that right. was similar to what happened in Nazi Germany and many of the other dictator or mm -hmm. dictatorial states and so forth. Or Tokyo Rose. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing the public hears is what the government wants them to hear. 
All right, we're back here at FutureQuake with Dr. Future. And Tom, I still don't like global government bionic. Yep. You know, when I when I heard him talking about how basically how our environment that God created is like a control system mm-hmm. that when things one thing adjusts it it adjusts the rest of the way and to it's keep robust. a balance. It's, yeah. it's robust. That's an interesting yeah. thing because I watched a documentary. This is um, my father's world. Okay, what, sorry. What you know that song? I don't it's know. It's called that. a hymn. You should listen to some sometime. Well, you were saying the documentary. I'm not even. Come on, man. Um, I watched a documentary where called the uh, the Amazing Earth, and they mm-hmm. talked about all of these parameters that the the Earth mm-hmm. has around it and how robust it is. And uh, they used it to talk about uh, the idea, you know, that we are unique in the universe. And yeah. one of the thing that I brought, one of the things I took away from it is that it was unique. Okay. You know, robust. I didn't Sorry. mean to rush you there. It's okay. Go ahead. But talking about unique, we need to bring Merv in. Merv, would you come tell our listeners how they can contact us at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. That's pretty much all she wrote. I didn't mean to... It's okay. The Earth was unique. we got to get out of here. Talk some more about it later, okay? Till then, we hope your future is very bright. We hope you have a wonderful day. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, down with the New World Order Bionic. And we have this week uh, Dr. Michael Kaufman, who is the founder of Environmental Perspectives Incorporated and a Christian brother and and expert in the environment who is fighting valiantly the forces of the United Nations. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the ominous agenda behind global warming and the environmental movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was relieved to find out that we finally were able to bring in those cast of characters, the Rockefeller Foundation. Yeah, pretty much if there's something bad. We might as well get underwritten by them. We mentioned so much. Like PBS. Insane amounts. This episode is brought to you by the Rockefeller Foundation. Yeah, there you go. Committed to destroying the earth (laughs) and subjugating all of you. We don't like people. We're going to get rid of them. Yeah, but you know, if they ever disappeared, we'd be out of out of business. We'd be out of jobs. Who would we talk about? Well, there would be the Warburgs and the. Yeah, Rothschilds and stuff like that. Yeah, Redstones. Well, let's have the uh, Kaufmans. Dr. Michael Kaufman, mm-hmm. come in. Uh, tell us uh, about what he's doing to fight this uh, whole ominous agenda of global warming, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. And let, let me just mention something here that was just a recent news story that came out that I noticed before even we had planned to have you on our show. It says here, Fox admits to planning political brainwashing in popular TV shows. Rupert Murdoch's 20th Century Fox Corporation is admitted to planning political brainwashing within its globally popular TV shows and boasts that it's proud of the fact. 
Uh, corporate video currently being showcased in another part of Murdoch's media empire, MySpace.com, shows Fox executives and stars of its universally recognized shows bragging about how they use the platform of hit shows that are broadcast globally to implant messages about the supposed threat of global warming. Uh, this is not the first time Fox has been enthusiastic in propagandizing for the establishment. In 2003, Werpert Mudok himself admitted that the corporation had tried to help the Bush administration sell the war in Iraq. Uh, the text of the video states, in 2006, News Corp embarked on a company-wide initiative to reduce the size of its carbon footprint. Uh, and then it says that it, that it was carried out, as made clear by a plethora of clips from po- Fox's most popular shows, The Simpsons, King of the Hill, Family Guy, Prison Break, in which are all loaded with messages about global warming and the need to do something about it. Now, that that is brainwashing, isn't it, by the classic definition? It really is. It really is. Uh, enough condemnation for those media outlets. And Fox is by far not the only one that's doing this. Uh, you, you see this blatantly in many movies. You see them blatantly in TV series and so forth, as well as the evening news. Uh, it is it is so one-sided and so propagandized that it is. I think the people are finally waking up. the The number of people in the United States that are believing the man is causing global warming has dropped precipitously in the last two years, uh, just because it's hard to maintain a belief that man could be causing global warming when all you see around you is either the same or it's getting colder. <laughs> it's not getting warmer. Right. Uh, it doesn't take a, much of a brain to figure out that there's something wrong in Denmark somewhere when uh, it's not following the script. But this global warming issue is a sign of a bigger problem in that, as, as, as we've yeah. pointed out, our government, our media systems – uh, are, have become propaganda tools that are constantly indoctrinating not our ch- even just our children but also all of us into this, and it almost makes you sympathetic for these people who want to move away from society and try to raise their children in some kind of pure environment. Of course, you know what happens. You get branded, branded as a compound when you do that, and the next thing they're, next they're thing busting through with tanks into yeah. your place. But But for people who want to get away from this continuous – onslaught of brainwashing information that's going on there's almost no choice and it certainly would behoove all of us who are listening who are believers here to spend more time on the word of god and less time being programmed by these other sources would it not absolutely in fact if i were to recommend one thing that a person should do is that they should be in the word of god every single day and praying for god's guidance and what they should do on a day-to-day basis uh, it's nothing like you're going to get this great revelation, but you might. Uh, that happened to me, and uh, it could happen to you. I don't expect it's going to happen. It doesn't happen very often. But nonetheless, if you're praying and you're in the Word of God and you're developing a framework of truth, that everything that we should do or not do is in the Bible, you, you well know it. It's not there. But you learn a framework of what God wants and what he does not want, what's not good for us. And you go on that premise, and you look at world events in that context, and you will see it'll just leap right out of you, right out of the uh, out of the storyline, what is true and what is not true. And and the Bible is not trying to sell you anything. It's not marketing no. anything that they're going to make money on other than your own deliverance. So when you go looking for truth, you find something that is timelessly 
been accurate, but also has a pure agenda in what's underway. And this is painful for all of us as Christians that have have, have grown up in, in days of great wealth and prosperity in our country, and we've we've had what we've seen to be a good life. But I think sometimes we've done it at expense of uh, sacrificing our ability to clear think think clearly or even speak clearly. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I think this global warming issue is just only only a sign of it. Um, you you talked about this a little bit. And I want to make sure people understand about the data that's generated that's provided to us from universities, uh, government, national laboratories, in the way that they're funded and how they're exploited. You talked about how the pressure is placed on these people to generate the data that they want to see for continued funding. And if, if I can just give you a little uh, example of that, I worked at the ground floor of this whole issue with ozone depletion and global warming with the top scientists in groups like the National Institute of Standards and Technology and similar mm -hmm. groups. I worked alongside the atmospheric scientists that were doing the first modeling of what was happening in our atmosphere. I was there when they were doing their internal briefings of their results, and they readily admitted that their models were so primitive because it's such a complex environment of interactions worldwide in our atmosphere that they only had just a tiny, tiny bit of data to put in this model. And, and like the example that uh, Tom gave us earlier, the overwhelming amount of it was fudge factor, mm. that they could not yep. verify with data, was not there. Th th what really drove the results, in other words, based upon how accurate it was, they could end up all over the map with the findings. They readily admitted that. They were honest enough to admit that they were working with a tiny bit. It was It's almost like the point that, you know, one data point is about as useless as zero data points. And yeah, that's, right. that's what they're, that was what they were dealing with. And, however, the pressure was extremely strong, even in our environment, that if they didn't come up with the, uh, with the end point of what the government, what our, what our people were looking for with money, the money flow stopped and people got laid off. Wow. And, and that that made it clear when I saw that firsthand, I realized that it's not just that, but medical data that we hear about the effects of different medical products, our pharmaceuticals, any kind mm -hmm. of science issue like that has become tainted by the by the profit motive and other things, and we should treat with extreme skepticism any kind of data we get like this from whatever source. But global warming is just a big one, and they have people with deep, deep pockets that have an agenda that's behind it. Very deep pockets and global in its aspect. You know, we're taught in Scripture that there's going to be a great uh, When that happens, I don't know. But nonetheless, what I'm seeing today with this global warming thing is the greatest delusion probably in the history of mankind. I've heard several people say that, that you see this great delusion all over the entire earth, uh, people believing that man is causing global warming. And it's it's just mind-boggling when there is, and I'll I'll be honest with you, there really is not a shred of, of empirical data. That's really hard data by cause and effect that man is causing global warming. Not one shred of evidence. It's almost entirely driven by computer models, which, as you just described, are cannot possibly predict what they're designed or what they're supposed to be predicting. And the scientists, the people that are doing these models, admit it themselves. Now, um, one group that I think people do not understand how, how ominous they are are groups called non-governmental groups or NGOs oh, yes. that support the United Nations. Uh, these are people who are of very dubious funding sources uh, that are, are near impossible to track but often have taxpayer connections. 
that somehow they get at least some portion of their funding from our hands through our government to the UN, uh, as well as these other sources of people pulling the strings. But they really do the unsavory bidding of the globalists at the United Nations, do they not? Yes. In, in, in a manner Absolutely. that would – they do things that would never, ever be adopted in the light of public scrutiny, correct? Absolutely. They would. They absolutely provide that kind of pressure groups. Uh, I call them the shock troops of Anitas because they're the ones that get down and dirty and do some really nasty things that uh, and put tremendous amount of pressure on our politicians if, as if there's not enough pressure already. Even, if, even those who want to do the right thing are, have a huge, huge pressure put on them by these non-governmental organizations that get the the Boston Globe tried to do an analysis of this about 10 years ago, and it's, it's twice as bad as it is now than it was then. But they came up with rough an estimate that the themselves get about $2 billion, about a billion dollars a year in dues and so forth from contributions. Those are legitimate. Another $2 billion from the uh, foundations themselves and almost – Two to three billion dollars. I think it's a lot more than that now from the federal government. Uh, almost half of their income comes from the federal government. That's agenda driven. They have their people on the inside. If you were to watch who was the head of these various agencies and what type of history they have, chances are they were one of these either socialist organizations or, or public interest groups organizations or environmental organizations at one time. So they're the ones that drive the money from these agencies right into the coffers of these uh, non-governmental organizations. Now, I assume you don't get that ca that same level of money for your organization no. to combat them, correct? No, we get not one dime. You're not in the several billion dollar range of your funding to combat <laughs> with not. If We're I not even in the tens of thousands of dollars range or the thousands of dollar range. If I could give our listeners just a, a little comparison, if they're not familiar with these NGOs, go to the front of futurequake.com, and in the lower right-hand corner on the front, Look at the the narrative that I have about the the NGO that I was invited to speak at last summer in Montreal, called the International Institute of Integral Human Sciences. It's a very innocuous name, uh, very generic name. Uh, it's an NGO supported by the United Nations and the World Council of Churches. Uh, they are creating a new world religion uh, and, that you can be ordained in, called the Order of the Transfiguration. And their slogan is creating a new humanity for a new world order. And what they teach on their website, if you go to IHS.org, is uh, summoning the dead, uh, bringing forth spirits, conjuring, psychic readings, channeling. This is being done with your taxpayer money through the UN that goes to support these agencies going without any kind of oversight whatsoever. When I spoke there, not only were all these uh, New Age religions represented, including the UFO cults, but the UN representative was right there beside me at the panel speaking about their their real zeal and their excitement to the United Nations involvement in this activity. Now, that was what I saw in the light of day. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors? We, we hear reports of uh, uh, UN officials that go over and molest children over in Africa yes. in these programs where it's been a hideout for, for, for these uh, molesters to actually go in and, and have diplomatic immunity. You're basically untouchable. Well, um, and, we, and we know... I mean, we know similar things were happening just here in the United States during the 80s and early 90s with the Franklin case. I don't know if you were mm -hmm. familiar with that. Mm -hmm. 
No. Yeah. Uh, well, I won't derail. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. But anyway, I just want to give a, an example for our listeners. Uh, if you're familiar with that group I've talked about before, that's an NGO. And that would be a good classic case of the kind of stuff they get their fingers involved in, totally unknown to the American public, In case, unless you happen to accidentally stumble upon it. Now, if I understand this right, Dr. Kaufman, these guys are the action officers, sort of like the uh, the SS troops or the uh, the brown yeah. shirts of Hitler. They go do the heavy lifting. They roll up their sleeves. They strong-arm people. They write all these positions. They get people to rubber stamp it. Uh, they get scientists to rubber stamp it. I've heard I've heard talks that you've given, and it's exactly like my experience. They put scientists, corral them in a room, they come up with the final solution, and then basically stick it under their nose to give them data to support their final solution, right, and their findings. That's exactly right, especially with what is known as the IPCC process, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. It comes out with a report every five years. They came out with one in 2007 that said there was a 92% probability that man was causing global warming. And yet, when you really get down, there's supposed to be these 2,000 scientists. Well, they have been hammered back into a corner right now, and it turned out that there were only 52 scientists that contributed to that document at all, and out of that 52, only four actually agree with their, what they said in it. Uh, most of the time, as you just alluded to, what they had is they had one room full of politicians and bureaucrats and so forth deciding what they want to say and then running back to the scientists in another room and telling them what they had to write. Mm-hmm. And That's exactly how the media gets its information from this IPCC that's supposed to be the leading scientific organization in the world on global warming. It is nothing but politics at the very best. And and the media is a patsy or colludes with them. Uh, one case yes. or another, they they do not do any kind of discerning critique of the results. They're intimidated by this group. Either they're totally in cahoots in them, or they're just totally dropping the ball and are being intimidated by these people one way or the other. But they're not looking out for the public interest. Uh, in, not in either, at all. In either case, well, you know, uh, you you talked about this following matter as well too, and alluded to it. But what I think is possibly the darkest aspect of this environmental agenda is the blatant way they are programming our children in our public schools uh, who have no means at their age to discern the distortions and the outright bad science that they present there. You know, it's like they're creating a Nazi youth or or some kind of village of the damned right before our eyes, uh, including the indoctrination of the children of even many Christian parents who are now being charged with... uh, uh, These children are actually being charged to go back into their homes and monitor their actions of their own parents. They're, they're, they're coming right. and actually they're like they're, uh, they're agents of the state, like in eastern Germany or something, uh, monitoring their parents' use of, of materials. I've even heard young people in our own church, the, some of them that go to public schools, uh, they're, they're, they, they have major classes, like a whole separate class for the whole year on ecology. Mm-hmm. And that class, now they don't have time for mathematics. They don't have time for hard sciences that they learn a discipline, the, the discipline of science. They learn propaganda that's handed to them, and then they're told to go back and apply it in their homes. And, and these people are actually talking about the United Nations. United Nations is the main thing these children are talking about. And then they go in and tell their parents that they're not re- recycling toilet paper or they're not doing these kind of things. And, and again, it's, it's like an Eastern European Stasi. Uh, secret police system. How are they doing this, and what will be the result, you think, to the next generation if this continues? 
Well, I think we're already seeing it. Uh, they've been at this process for at least five or six generations now, and each generation gets further and further in depth in it because the generation before them doesn't see the problem that, uh, that uh, existed previously. It used to be that the Bible was taught in classrooms. You know, It used to be the standard textbook right. in most classrooms for English and so forth. That's obviously not the case now, and it's been a gradual process through each generation to dumb them down and teach them nothing but propaganda. I've, I've actually had the opportunity of going through quite a few textbooks at the elementary and high school level on global warming, and it is amazing how each one of those, there's only been a couple that I have found that actually presented the, the problem or issue in a more or less balanced way. In almost every case, it is nothing but raw propaganda. There is nothing there that is not at all. And this is really scary when you realize that you have basically now a generation that's adults and a generation that will be adults that are believing that the earth is being destroyed by mankind, that we're, the, as Pogo once said in this comic strip, uh, we've met the enemy and he is us. Right. And we are, you know, I mean, that's actually the, the enemy. Up. The enemy is their parents and their parents' yeah. generation. Those are the evil people that they've got to condemn and turn in and, and rescue the world. And, and they don't talk about Americans or being Americans. It's talked about being globalist and being wow. a global village. Right. And that's what the children is. And they're, they're going to fix the, the mistakes of their parents. And they lose respect for their parents. I was going to say, that really makes me think a lot of the propaganda that that they talked about in various, like, Pol Pot and the other communists who said yes. that, you know, basically the idea was, if you're over 30, we're pretty sure we can't change your mind. Mm -hmm. So they just, those people they decide to kill right. or get rid of or marginalize and focus on the young folks to try mm -hmm. and indoctrinate them. Uh, is, is this the case, Dr. Kaufman, where the church really needs to circle the wagons around homeschooling and take homeschooling very serious to the next level. If we can influence school boards and things like this, uh, should we uh, take much more seriously the adults in our church teaching children's uh, Sunday school and other programs in our church, have a much more robust children's program, and put our energies uh, in encountering this indoctrination that's occurring? Yes, I think that's absolutely correct. I couldn't support that idea more. In fact, I was just talking to a, a lady in her 40s in uh, Wisconsin who whose community has done, his church has done exactly that. Uh, they've taken people who are willing to volunteer their time and set up their own schools and so forth, more or less in a homeschool structure, but yet there are certain subjects like calculus and chemistry and so forth that most parents are not qualified to teach, mm -hmm. and they will teach the kids that uh, in lieu of having them to go to school where they're going to be indoctrinated. I think it's absolutely critical that we do this. When I look at the SAT exams, they don't even they don't even include homeschool kids in the SAT matrix anymore because they're so much better than the average public school uh, educated. I'm not saying you can't get a good education in public schools. If you have two good parents that are willing to work with the kids in public schools, or you have a single mom or something that right. just can't do it, and and I'm not trying to condemn them. But generally speaking, what you're going to find as far as SATs are concerned are those kids that were brought up through the homeschool process. And because they're truly getting an education, whereas most of your public schools, especially in your larger populated areas, 
are being indoctrinated. You know, I don't see why our churches couldn't even have, for those who go to public schools, an after-school program. Obviously, you have to have the workers for it, mm-hmm. but an after-school program where, where you actually go through these kind of things, at least the, the, the critical information, and, and go over this kind of information, even if it was a supplement to what to, to what you have. But I'll tell our listeners, um, if you wonder where this is going, and, and, and if we think we're, we're making a, a false boogeyman here in the government on this, if you want to know where we're going, go to Germany where if you teach your yeah. children in homeschooling, they take your children away and they put them in uh, psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. They have to deprogram your children if you're homeschooling your children. It's, it's the same place through the European Union Council that has decided that people who believe in creationisms are enemies of democracy. This is not 1984. It's not some fantasy book we're reading. Right. It is happening right now in the Western world, and in, in quote, the free world, is where this is happening. We had uh, some Baptist missionaries from the United States that went over to serve in Germany, and when the uh, when the authorities found out that they were homeschooling their children, they went to take away their kids, mm-hmm. even they though they weren't be, German citizens. They had to be smuggled right. out of the country. They were smuggled out of the country. Yeah. So, so, ladies and gentlemen, when you have your children, I hope you understand it's much, much more important than having a nicer car or a nicer home. Uh, what goes on between the ears of your children? What do they get over the Internet? What what are they getting involved? And uh, people like Dr. Kaufman here is providing information you can use if you'll take the time. He's done the hard work. He's put all the information together. All you have to do is expose your children to it, watch it together, sit down and discuss it. Right. Discuss it over dinner or some milk and cookies or whatever. And uh, your children's mind is at stake on, on, on what's going on with this. It, they really are. I couldn't be more emphatic about that myself. It's critically important that you, if you can't homeschool your kids or put send them to a private school that at least has some decent teachers and so forth, work with them at night and so forth and help them to put into perspective what they're being taught in school because a lot of what they're being taught, and, and that doesn't mean these are nasty teachers or anything else. A lot right. of them only can use what they've been given and and so forth, and and they're as much of a victim as anyone else. But the fact is that our kids are being indoctrinated, they're being dumbed down, they're being trained out of being able to think independently. Uh, I just cannot believe some of the the spirits when I come into contact with them. They they really are so locked into that position, they they cannot even begin to think outside the box on what really might be happening. And it's a very dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. The problem that I'm seeing happen, too, on this whole educational process, because I like education, I can't spend enough time in it, but I really am interested in education, is that many state school boards and so forth are trying to get laws passed to prohibit uh, homeschooling, just like Mm -hmm. Germany has done. Yeah, I mean, they're very actively working on this. They see the threat from homeschoolers because... The SAT exams, they're the proof in the pudding. Uh, our uh, publicly trained kids, there are always those who rise to the top. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But for the, on the average, what you're seeing is that homeschoolers dramatically outperform those who are in our public schools. All right, we're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, down with the New World Order, as in, like, bring them down and hit them with a chair, bionic. Boy, that is a really long middle name, that time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that, I'm, that even had, like, commas I'm, in it. I'm from Europe. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what'd you, what stood out with you about that segment in Oh, about the fact that, you know, here's this guy with a Ph.D. doing something dramatic, and he said the most obvious thing, be in the Word every day. 
for somebody who intel as intelligent as busy as he is, mm-hmm. he says that's the important thing. The you know, as important as he is on a world stage, mm-hmm. he is a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, that tells you his priorities. Yeah. Well, speaking know? of somebody like who's important, we should probably bring in Merv here real quick. You think Merv? Yeah. Merv is okay. Yeah. Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us here at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. Any last words? Bye. Come back for our last segment with Dr. Kaufman. Uh, Be sure and let us know what you think about it. But until tomorrow, we hope your future is very bright. Have a great day. Hasta la vista. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Future Quake. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I don't like the New World Order Bionic. All right. I'm glad you don't. Uh, we are going to go on our last segment here with Dr. Michael Kaufman, mm-hmm. who is the founder of Environmental Perspectives, and we're talking about the ominous agenda behind global warming and the environmental movement. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that uh, we talked about this last segment that really, really burns me up is how they're poisoning the minds of our own children. They're sure. indoctrinating this, oh. this uh, agenda that they already have financial and other diabolical stakes in. Well, that was one of the things that uh, I never bought from school, like a lot of the stuff they taught, I was kind of like, I don't know, this doesn't make any sense. You were a rebel, weren't you? A loner. Yeah. You know, I can't ever imagine you disagreeing with anybody. I just figured you were a yes man that went with the flow. <laughs> yeah. You, you've changed so Mr. much. Mr. Yes Man. Yeah, I know. You just sort of swallow everything big, I say. Big big blue suit with a Y on my stomach. Yeah. Uh, you you were that fish always going the opposite direction in the stream. Yeah, everybody. I with the right. nail they tried to pound down constantly yeah. in college. Or yeah, you're just a brick. In, just a brick in the wall. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we know you're the same kind of people, and that's why you're Futurians. And we know you're going to enjoy this last segment with Dr. Kaufman. We'll be right back then to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Well, and I want to challenge our homeschooling listeners here too. Do do not abuse this privilege. You remember what Daniel yes. did and his friends when they said, we want to do it God's way and not eat the king's food? They told him, they said, look, we are going to be smarter, wiser, and more capable than those who follow the king's ways. And we, we owe it to uh, our service to the world that when we say we have a different way of doing things, we want to show them that we can educate our children better and be better contributors to society. So we cannot cut corners in our education, whether it's in math or science or these harder areas. You know, we may not have many resources when you don't have all the resources of the of the state and their taxpayer funds and property taxes. But it behooves us to be able to make sure in every aspect, uh, science, English, everything, that our students are superior. Because if, if we slack up on that, that priv- it's going to be an excuse for that privilege to be taken away. It's actually a right. It's not a privilege, but they see it as a privilege. And they'll use yes. that excuse to take it away. 
I, I want to talk about something else that's also equally disturbing, and this is something we could go on forever, but we're, we're in our last uh, quarter of the show here, um, about the, the religious aspect of this. How do these movements tie into a religious pagan devotion to Mother Earth, and what are its roots? Well, one of the things, and I'll use this as an example, tremendous amounts of money have gone into trying to pervert the, the Christian faith into believing in Mother Earth. Uh, I'll just give you an example. Something like oh, close to $500 million, Al Gore has spent close to $500 million developing materials that sound wonderful and so forth that are given to the churches. And what those materials basically do is to take the emphasis off of Jesus Christ and the the need for salvation and put them on the earth and the need to save planetary earth. Uh, it is permeating almost all of our churches, even the evangelical churches, not this particular set of propaganda because the evangelical, evangelical, evangelical churches probably won't take it. But still, the very philosophies <coughs> that come out of the counterculture days, uh, if you take polls and so forth into our evangelical churches, what you're going to find is that many of the beliefs, even though they believe are have been bent just because of society, because we're inundated with this right. stuff all the time, they're, they're being bent into this belief that we've got to save Mother Earth. There's all kinds of, of major <laughs> evangelical churches that are joining and saying we've got to stop global warming. Well, you know, I have a lot of patience for pastors because what have they been exposed to? Nothing but propaganda. Uh, they have no idea of what the truth is behind this and the fact that they're trying to dilute the church by getting the church into taking on the undertaking these activities. And, you know, we do have a stewardship responsibility, and yet we're being drugged into this, <coughs> excuse me, this whole effort to make this the central organizing principle of the church as well as society. Well, let me let me say that what I've observed, and you tell me if I'm wrong here. Basically, what what these groups have hand in hand is this whole idea of Gaia or Mother Earth, who is a, a goddess. Uh, it's taken directly, you can trace it right back to Babylon, to the goddess worship of Babylon, came up through ISIS worship and, and through the West and over here, where where now we're we're seeing it. It's it's not just a a moral call. Uh, it, it is a spiritual, sacred call uh, to be in harmony with the vibrations of the earth. And so we're doing what the Bible says. We're worshiping the created rather than the creator. Absolutely. So, so they've created a God in the, in the shape of the earth. And uh, basically it's, it's very Wiccan uh, in its or, origins, just like a, well, Wicca religion. Uh, but now they've, they've taken the environmental cloak and the rainbow and wrapped around it. And they've made this, uh, every time in a commercial you'll see, this new car is more environmentally uh, superior and it takes care of Mother Earth. We want Mother Earth to be taken care of. And this is a subtle programming of a religion that goes hand in hand with this environmental teaching, correct? Absolutely. In fact, if you get right down to it, it's called pantheism, the belief that Earth is God or the universe is God. Mm -hmm. All things are God. And that's exactly it. Little step by little step, they're taking us from a position that there is a creator to the fact that the the God of the universe is us. Uh, right back to what created, as you said, Babylon. I mean, it's trying to make ourselves equal to God. Try, that's the Satan's effort to deceive Eve. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. 
It's exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'll make you as God. And the God and Earth becomes like any other idol. It's something we fashion with our hands. Therefore, hence we can control, and we can control right. our God. Whereas if there is an external Creator God, uh, He's not one that we can control or put in a box, and we have to be accountable to. Uh, in, in that respect, absolutely. But we need to be I more. We need, we need to be more aware that that is, like you say, creeping into our churches very subtly. Uh, maybe first into the uh, the mainstream Protestant churches, uh, but it, it it will find its aspects into the um, into the evangelical church too, possibly through the emergent church activities or our various facets itself. Um, can you very briefly just explain what are some of the UN's more aggressive initiatives, such as the Biosphere Resources World Heritage Sites? Or similar programs. Can you give us a quick capsule of what they're trying to accomplish with that? And what yes, the impact uh, there's a number of United Nations programs that are designed to gradually increase the control of the United Nations over the territorial rights of the various nations of the world. The biosphere reserves, the heritage sites, uh, we managed to stop that, expose it back in the 1990s, and they have pretty much left the United States alone since that time. Uh, but it's still very active in the rest of the world. They're trying a number of different programs to try to get the United States more into its sphere of influence. Uh, the Convention on Biological Diversity was a major effort on the part of the United, States, United Nations to control the land base, to pro control private property rights in the United States. We defeat, or I should say God defeated them through us uh, back in 1994. They're still kind there are thousands of little projects. Uh, if you go to takingliberty.us, on the, or there's another website that we have, takingliberty.us, you'll find I've done a program there that shows all the activities that the environmental organizations are trying to do to implement the Convention on Biological Diversity, even though we stopped it from being ratified in the U.S. Senate. They want to see one half of the United States in the wilderness, and they're doing everything they can mm -hmm. to make that happen. Just, just in the first part of, of March, the U.S. Uh, Congress bare, almost passed, with the exception of two votes, would have passed a bill that would have locked up 26 million acres in the West. Those 26 million acres house a 500-year supply of oil in the United States, and they would have been locked up forever. That's how close we've come. Mm -hmm. This is wow. what their activities are. I mean, wow. it is just mind-boggling when you fully understand what is going on. And what they'd it's rather say, even if that land could just grow food, they would want people to stay away from growing food on that. They would rather see people yes. starve to death. I mean, I've seen their own writings. They think it would be a good thing for a large part of our population to starve to death, to reduce our footprint on this earth, than to make that land available even for food to keep people sustained, Correct. Absolutely. In fact, that's what the Convention on Biological Diversity was designed to do, was to reduce the amount of, of land area that man can use for food production and so forth and his use uh, down by at least half. Uh, it was designed right in the, the Global Biodiversity Assessment. They basically said that even though starvation will result and we need to reduce the Earth's population by 50 to 75 percent, we have to do this or the Earth is going to die. Now, that's more draconian actions that Hitler himself took when he used yes. the final solution on six million Jews, as profoundly evil as that is, that, that's small time compared to what they plan to do. These the supposedly humane globalists that are so much humane than the uh, wicked United States. 
and, and wicked Christian people. This is this is what they have their end game for us. Yes, it is. And the same thing with the, the global warming issue. Uh, the next DVD I'm going to do when I get some money to do it is going to show not only is global warming not man-caused, but if we pass the current legislation that President Obama wants us to pass, what we will do is basically create a, a horrible situation for the United States poor in this situation. They're going to be hurt the worst, but not only that, but it will devastate the third world nations of the world mm -hmm. because they will be denied energy that they have to get to have to have to get out of the 16th century. Mm -hmm. Most of them are still burning coal or burning uh, uh, um, charcoal or something of that nature for their energy for cooking meals and so forth or heating their house. They don't have electricity. They don't have fuel oil. They don't have any of this other stuff, and it's going to be denied them. The poverty that we see now in the third world is going to get far worse. And this is the thing that these elitists, in fact, I really do think you get back in the eugenics issue with that issue. I think they want to see these people. Right. They do honestly think that. Right. And, I think they uh, want to starve these people to death. And these are the, the great humanitarians that got rid of DDT based upon data that's now been disproven, and we've had large, larger numbers of people die in Africa because of their uh, lack of access to this pesticide, correct? Tens of millions of people have died from malaria since that was since they withdrew DDT. Tens of millions, upwards to 60 to 70 million people have died, have died because we withdrew DDT as, as a mechanism of controlling uh, mosquitoes. And they're, they're at it again. They're trying to get rid of these people. I can only say that they are the targets of these elitist eugenics ideas that they've got to get rid of the blacks. They've got to get rid of all those people that are genetically inferior. Now you're not and making some wild, you're not making some wild, libelous, slanderous claim about these people. This is what they literally say in their own writings. Yes, absolutely. All you have to do is read absolutely. their books. You read their books and see it. You know, we have stopped a lot of their agendas at the local level just by exposing what they say in their own literature. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, if people just only knew. But they've got people so busy right now working two jobs. Well, people people sometimes their own materialism is driving that too. But but they're working two jobs. Now they've lost their retirement money uh, through some things that look very intentional right now. But, but now mm -hmm. they're so immersed in trying to keep their head above water as well as keeping up with the Joneses that they have no time to be concerned with these kind of things. They don't have time to look to see what their children are learning. They don't have time to sometimes even look to see what their their uh, youth leaders are teaching in their churches, and they don't have time, certainly, for what the UN is doing or even their people in their own Congress. Wow. Um, what What are we going to do? What What can we do as uh, a church to turn turn things around? One of the things that I think we really need to do one is to get back to biblical principles, understand really what is important in life, and and I'll have to admit. I assume that you have a decent standard of living and so forth. Mm. It can be somewhat hedonistic if we're not careful. Mm -hmm. We need to determine for ourselves and for our local community what's important and what's not important. And do without a lot of things that we think we must have at this particular point in time. That is a central message that I think the church can be doing is to simplify, simplify, simplify. And unfortunately, in the business I am, I have to get more complex, more complex, and more complex to get this information out. But that's aside. The other thing is 
We need to be looking for God. This is the number one thing. We, You know, God says to set our eyes on him. You know, that's what Peter did when he jumped out of the boat and started walking across the water when, when he was looking at Jesus. As soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He sank. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens in our lives, too, if we can keep. And we need to train ourselves to do this. When I started this business in 1992, I knew it was going to be difficult. I haven't been disappointed. <laughs> there have been times when I didn't know if we were going to be able to, to make the foot on the table. It's that tough. And I've had to be forced to learn to depend upon him. He's never failed us. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain how certain things have happened. All of a sudden, things happen, and what I thought was a disaster has turned out to be okay. We need to really, literally deper, learn to depend upon God for our daily living rather than our jobs or rather than the government or rather than whatever else we're yeah. depending upon right now. Because if it gets worse, and I think it's going to get worse, we're going to be in a situation where we have to depend upon God in order to survive day to day. And if I can stress one thing, it's that. Learn how to depend upon God. Really understand what God has promised and then stand on it and let him guide you on a day-to-day basis. Amen, brother. Preach it. Yeah. We, uh, you know, that's a message that comes through with the diversity of, of uh, topics we have on this show is that same thing, learning to stand on the promises of God and rely and trust, try, and prove them. And uh, he will come through in uh, due season. You know, you know, but another message to look on the other side of the coin on this environmental issue, we've talked about these malevolent intents that these people have. And I want to mention that, uh, listeners, you need to get the materials that uh, Brother Kaufman here has on his website. But another great documentary to get is Endgame mm-hmm. uh, yeah. by Alex Jones. You can even watch it on Google Video, but yeah. I recommend that you purchase a copy to share. Uh, it's, it's not produced necessarily from a Christian standpoint, but it has extremely useful information that hits a nail on the head. And uh, Dr. Kaufman here uh, provides a very critical role in providing useful information in the middle of that. But, but it very clearly shows the, the, the uh, intentions and motives of these elite and their total disregard for the masses of the public, no matter what they say, with the smile on their face. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it may, it may look to me, from, from what I see in their malevolent plans and the millions dying around the world, it looks a lot to me like the third and the fourth horsemen of the apocalypse uh, running across the land. Uh, I, you know, I, I see uh, the, these horses and the scales being weighed where they're controlling the flow of food and money. And then I see death and Hades going across the, uh, the landscape as well. So, uh, you know, I see these, uh, these horrible activities that are ongoing. But as far as the, the environmental issue, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, Dr. Kaufman, but we still have a responsibility as Christians because we have been sometimes misaligned, although sometimes deservedly, uh, as being perceived as either wanting to or at least being ambivalent to trashing the earth. Uh, and they think this because many of us believe that the Lord's going to come back and get us and the world's going to be destroyed anyway, uh, that we really don't care about what happens to the earth. Or, or that we believe that we should have some kind of tyrannical dominion over the earth, that we, we basically exploit the resources, including animals and, and, and other parts of creation. But, you know, we're shown in, in Scripture that, that Adam and his progeny were tasked with tending and keeping the garden, which right. implies a stewardship and some type of sustainment role over creation uh, as, a, as a benevolent role and a responsibility of dominion. And, in fact, you know, from what I see in Scripture about pictures of the millennium period in Scripture, look like they have that simplistic uh, 
uh, lifestyle that you're referring to, a, a simpler, more sustainable lifestyle, more of connected to the earth and raising your vineyards and your crops and your lands and being directly connected to your communities. What do you think is a biblically defensible role of the believer in relation to the rest of creation? And, and, and has our departure from it hurt our witness and testimony as we, we get here to the end of the show? I don't think that the Christian community in general has departed from it. I really, as I talk to churches and so forth around the country, I think everyone that I talk to has that firmly in their mind that we need to be good stewards. And for the most part, they try to do that in their purchasing of, of different things and so forth in, in the marketplace. A lot of times we don't know what we're buying, and we could actually be inadvertently doing that. It's the non-Christians that are out there exploiting the environment. It's the non-Christians that are out there that are destroying the environment. If you go back a hundred years ago, uh, you find degradation in the United States. Uh, a lot of people blame the Christ Christian church for doing that, but it really wasn't the Christian church. It was these opportunists, these industrialists and so forth, who could care less about the environment at that time. Yes, we have a good stewardship responsibility, but we have what has happened is, and there's a literature history of this, you can go right back and follow it since the 1960s in the counterculture movement, is that these environmentalists hate Christians because in the or Jews as far as that goes, because in the Bible in chapter what one, I think it is or two, uh, it talks about man's dominion over nature. Mm -hmm. And to them, that is uh, totally antithetical. In other words, it's heresy to them. And in order to exploit that, they have demonized, they have uh, basically called every name in the book against Christians because they believe that we should have dominion over the earth. Uh, totally ignoring what we just talked about a moment ago is, is the stewardship responsibility. It is imperative that God has given us. What they have done is made this, and you're going to be surprised to hear this, this web, this very fragile web of life on the earth. Where did that come from? Well, it didn't come out of the Bible. It came out of, of their own literature. The earth is not that fragile. It's not that sensitive. It, there isn't this web of life. In fact, if you actually check and you go back and you see what this impact has on this impact, has on that impact and so forth, you find that it might be two or three levels deep and then that's it. There isn't this fragile web of life. It's not that the earth is very resilient. Yeah, we can do some damage to it, and we shouldn't. But at the same time, it's not as fragile as been being, being made out to be the last 30 years in all of the environmental literature and so forth in most mm -hmm. cool textbooks and that type of thing. Right. Man, God created the earth in order to serve man, not the other way around. Right. But at the same time, uh, sustainability in and of itself, used in a proper fashion, is not a bad word yes. for the sake of taking right. the fruits okay. of the land that the Lord gives us and being content and satisfied with the fruits that he provides before us. Yes. Uh, there are yes. some other additional blessings to be had from those who can uh, eventually get to the point where they live off the grid, where they live dependent only on God alone and not on the system, not on uh, the society. Um of course, the government's threatened by people who live that way, and, and so be yes. it. Uh, we need to show our independence. We need to have reliance only on our immediate neighbors and on God himself. And so if we can find a way, like you say, to simplify our lives, to live our lives within 
the uh, the kind of standard of living and comfort that God's intended with what he's provided in our life in whatever form. It may be technology-related. It may just be uh, just with our attitude or, or, or how we use the resources and, and also use it yeah. to help other people. Uh, we're, we're getting right now to the last couple of minutes of our show, and I just wondered if you had any final word of what you recommend our listeners to do, and then tell them how they can uh, get a hold of your materials again, please. Well, I've already said that we should be on our knees more in reading Scripture, and that is probably not thing that I would recommend. I, I, if I'm ever on a Christian station, that's that's of paramount importance. When I stopped the biodiversity treaty or when I was involved in stopping the world religion in Johannesburg in 2002, uh, that's where I was, was on my knees, because I was looking for what God wanted me to do. And even though I didn't think it was going to be effective when I did it, I did it, and lo and behold, God did the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, beside that, if you want to become educated, if you're a homeschool situation and you want some information, really good information on global warming, get this, global warming, uh, emerging science or understanding, and you have all the wealth of resources on the Internet, lesson plans, things for your students, your kids to do, uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of background information and so forth on this particular issue. It will be right out of, it will be godsend for you in order to understand. And it not only tells you about global warming, it tells us about meteorology and a mm-hmm. whole host of different things about the sun. And, and uh, I've shown it to kids from 10 years on up, and they just love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love this DVD. What's Keep the, what, so get a copy of that. What's the website name again? It's, well, discerningtoday.org. Discerningtoday.org. I have other websites. Okay. Yeah, but if you go to discerningtoday.org, you'll find Endgame, you'll find the two global warming DVDs. Mm-hmm. Everything there is right in one central place. And we'll have that on our website, too, if you don't mind. Um, we have Absolutely. To, we have to say goodbye, but I want to thank you so much for dropping in. I'm sorry we've had some uh, connection problems. Anytime we had something that really involves spiritual warfare topic, this often happens. But the information is out there, and it's going to change people's lives with what you had to say. And I, I just bless you, bless you, brother, for being here. Will you come back again to be on our show? Sure. Okay, we'd love to have you Thank back you. again Thank to, you so much. to pick up some of these other topics where we've mm-hmm. left off on this. But uh, until then, we're going to say goodbye. But I want to thank you, and I certainly look forward to having you back again on Future Quake. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. God bless. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, down with the New World Order, let's take him to the, pe- take him to the cleaners, Bionic. That must be a lot of pressure you put yourself under to come up with those middle names. Yeah, it's a sweet, it's Swedish. You know, you can take a break sometime if you want. Oh, really? From that, yeah. Okay. Feel you like you were like the guy with no middle name last time, remember? Okay. Tom. <laughs> Bionic. That's okay. Uh, what do you think about this, about uh, our wrap-up here? Oh, Talked boy. about the religious aspect. Do you realize if this man and his cohorts hadn't been involved, that one half of our country would have been pushed away from us being able to live on it? Wow. You know, that's a pretty big impact for for one man and a small group of people to do. Yeah, I know. He's you amazing. Know, I don't think we've accomplished nearly that much. No. You know, but we're working in on our it. time. Yeah. Well, we're trying to change the hearts and minds of people, which is a big job in of itself. Yeah. Let him inspire every one of you all out there that what the Lord can do in your life, that he can make you to do anything in the world to change the world. And somebody else who can inspire you is our friend Merv. Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. 
That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're late. Out. Okay, come back for tomorrow's Tremors tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And we've made it to the end of another week. I know. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, Dr. Michael Kaufman talking about the uh, very insidious plans and agenda behind the environmental movement worldwide. He's a great guy, isn't he? I, Dr. Kaufman. Yeah, I liked I liked his stuff, man. He's good. I think he's he's a great guy. I hope yeah. he can come back as regular as his time permits him. Mm-hmm. We've been so blessed. You know, we unlike some shows that uh you'll find on the internet or stuff with really great people that do it, a lot of times they'll have the same roster of people, like mm-hmm. once a week or month or whatever yeah. like that. You just never know what you're getting. You know We've been really blessed with a few regulars that we have occasionally, but we sure have a non stop litany of fresh it's true. talent. It's true. Well, we, you know, we try to have get something the new, to say. The, the new folks in and you know do it and do it right trying mm-hmm. to trying to give new good information um one of the interesting things is uh one of the interesting compliments that i think i told you about but i'll i'll repeat here uh is that one of our listeners i was talking to said you know what i love about your show is i just never know what it's going to be like one week it's like aliens and the next week it's uh the new world order and then the next week it's uh uh the black awakening and satanic super soldiers all out all our rust distar and the next week it's global now wait a minute are you saying are you, they're not talking about back to the bible or radio bible class i don't know okay i don't think so i just wondered which show they were talking yeah. about and he said i just that's the cool one of the cool things about it and you guys are always really respectful no matter what you're having on there, and it's an in-depth and informative program, and I just really love listening to it. Well, we try. He we even try. went so far as to recommend it to his wife. Really? Yeah. Wow. That he he must really uh, trust us if that's the case. Well, there was an email I wanted to share real quick, if you don't mind, from somebody who sent an email. You know, I told you last week we we have somebody who's actually in South Africa uh, listening, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we've had some interesting. Uh, uh, things. I was just going to share another international one here, mm-hmm. uh, and I got their permission to share it. Uh, mm-hmm. Hello, Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. thought I'd drop uh, you to a few lines to tell you that your show is reaching many people. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Even though I live in Canada, I know uh, that what is happening in the U.S. will happen here. The elite's goal, after all, is global control. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a few of your past show's guests and have found them to be informative and helpful. Mm-hmm. Last night I listened to your guest, William Grigg, which I believe is a very timely topic considering military troops in the streets of America. Mm-hmm. I was wondering when you would have William uh, Grigg back to discuss Romans 13, which we, we just very briefly talked about with mm-hmm. him. Uh, hope you'll be speaking again with William real soon, uh, that there's so much de- deception and confusion among Christians concerning who the higher pyres that they are to be obeying, which mm-hmm. is exactly what we'll be talking about next week. Yeah, a big part very, of our discussion. There. Very timely email. Yeah, I'm sure as you know that the feds are recruiting false or deceived pastors to tell and remind the sheep that Romans 13 is about obeying civil authorities. Mm-hmm. And they say, as God has said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
That's a quote from God in Hosea 4.6. Mm-hmm. Bless both of you for going about our Father's business. Oh, thank you, Billy. Isn't that an incredible, uh, yeah. and uh, just an incredible quote? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I just to share another one here, um, an, another fellow, uh, Jeff, Brother Jeff out there sent something, Minneapolis, uh, says thanks. For, uh, he, he was responding back to... Uh, I had responded back in an email to him. He says, thanks for the response. I've been listening to the archive shows for the last month, still working my way through the list. I love mm-hmm. listening and reading some of the authors you have, such as Jerome Corsi, Lynn Marzulli, Tom Horn, David Flynn, and many others. Mm-hmm. Then sharing your website with many of my friends. Mm-hmm. Is they are interested in how, ma- in how many of the topics you cover fit together in today's church and Bible prophecy? Mm-hmm. It's great to find a show and host that approach the topics with respect to the authors mm-hmm. and earnestly search and pray about how they fit and impact today's church. Mm-hmm. Isn't that really cool? And then they say, uh, I'll keep praying for your ministry and protection for the glorious return of our Lord and Savior when we can then take our positions with Jesus on the front lines, marching with him to witness the victory of the battles to come. Awesome. I like Those are those incredibly illiterate people we have that listen to us, you know. (laughs) These people, these are are classic Futurians right now. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, according according to the people in Washington, you know, we can't. You know, we, like, use crowns and stuff. To well, Mayak, you know, you know yeah. we're, we're definitely uh, dangerous, yeah. you know, from yeah. hearing these kind of things. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll just mention these last two uh, wonderful uh, mm-hmm. believers on the Lord and Futurians. Uh, the quote that was in Hebrews, is said, uh, uh, the author said that uh, the world was not worthy of them. Hmm. Like the, those in the in the uh, the hall of faith there, in that mm-hmm. chapter in the Bible. And I certainly feel that. I could go on and on. I just wanted to uh, say another thing here. Thank you for your quick and courteous response. It actually brightened my morning. I've been listening when possible on the radio for over a month. It is encouraged to hear people much more intelligent than myself talking about. I don't know who he's talking about there. Right. Uh, uh, talking about things I've always held an interest in as a Christian. Most Christian circles consider these things taboo if you bring them up. Uh, anyhow, I also listen on the computer as well, and I'm located in Nashville. Oh, and, great. Uh, Talk Welcome. quite a bit about their their background. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and people send ideas for shows. So I just want to thank all of you out there. Mm-hmm. And and they mentioned about how they listen on the internet at futurequick.com. You know, we're also on iTunes. If you go to futurequick.com, you'll find that it's a portal to find all sorts of things. Um, right now, uh, even though we've just really slowly been on just in less than a year on WENO, uh, we are getting ready to break a major milestone. We have many tens of thousands. We're told that listen via the radio. But we're getting ready to cross the threshold possibly this month of 10,000 downloads uh, of of just shows. You know, we only well, update it once a week. So. Does that officially make us big time? Nah, yeah. I wouldn't say that. But you know what? If there are people, there's thousands of people like those ones we just read emails, uh-huh. then we're very lucky guys. Wow. To have those kind of people that we're affiliated with around the world. Well, and just think what happens when we get all this stuff that we're kind of beta testing. Oh, well, now. let me make some another. You, you want yeah. to mention uh, well, the, the new... Uh, the the one that's you mean uh, our buddies over there at World of Prophecy. Well, that I was going to mention I, that I too, but I don't want to mention the other one just yet. You, you, it's not you got 100%. something you're going to keep it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you got something exciting that's going that Brother Tom is personally involved in. It will announce to you. But regarding World of Prophecy website, uh, WorldofProphecy.com has a forum, and there are some of the coolest people over there. Um, wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord that have been very good friends to ours, mm-hmm. and they love our show so much that they have a dedicated section. Mm-hmm. If if you go into, what was it, is, is it the guest area? Yeah, it's very prominent. You go into the forum, you go yeah. to worldofprophecy.com, right. go to the forum, uh-huh. and right there in the guest area, there's uh, it's it's very prominent. You can get uh-huh. to it from the main page. There's Future Quake Discussion Forum. 
Yeah. If you go into Future Quake Discussion Forum, they started a new thread off each show mm-hmm. where, where Christians go in there and discuss. So if you've had things that you wondered about the show, it's one thing we, we love you to email us, mm-hmm. uh, to email us, and we'll go back and forth. But you'd like to talk with some other Futurians and meet them, go over to World of Prophecy. Uh, yeah. Get on their forum board. They're put very, down your two I, cents. I gotta say that those guys are are uh, very intelligent, on godly people. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I really, really enjoy sharp. discussing stuff with those people. Yeah, re- really, you know? really sharp. Uh, everybody gives each other a lot of slack where they're <laughs> thinking out loud. These are challenging things we talk about. Yes, this is not you know milk that we have. This is yeah. meaty stuff. This is the meat. Everybody gives each other a little slack. If you got in some some sort of far out there ideas, mm-hmm. but they're Bible-based, and you want a, a, a supportive group of people to run something past, then you can iron sharpen iron. Mm-hmm. Go do it, and go there and check those out. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure people are aware of that. They're great new friends of ours, and we'll wait on your announcement yeah. of something big that's coming up. Mm-hmm. I'd also like something for people to be praying about. Um, it's about uh, the potential of us maybe expanding. We're keeping an eye to see if mm-hmm. maybe we need to be heard on some other venues. Mm-hmm. Um, we volunteer at this. We mm-hmm. have other things that we do for a living, other things that we do with church involvement <laughs> and things. And so we barely keep up one week at the next with yeah. what's going on. So it's a little intimidating to think about doing that. Uh, some of these things might involve you know, getting airtime or things like that. Mm-hmm. So it means we need some support mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So we only want to do something that the Lord suggested. Yeah. And uh, we hear people with different advice. Mm-hmm. Back and forth, and uh, we're just going to leave it to the Lord. But appreciate our Futurians praying about that. Yeah. If it would be something that would be good for people to hear in other radio forums and other communities, mm-hmm. uh, WENO will always be our flagship. We're so appreciative of them, yes. yeah. and I appreciate what they do. So mm-hmm. that's some of the announcements I had. Other than we got some incredible guests next next week, some really big name folks as we kick off our fifth year of Indeed. continuous broadcast of Future Quake. Mm-hmm. So uh, I suggest everybody to look forward to that. And sorry about all the. Uh, the, the factoids and everything that uh, kicked in there. Do you have any other announcements yourself? Um, no, not That's yet. That's it. I just would, I, you know, I would just ask real briefly that the Futurians continue to pray for the both of us. I know that we both got a lot of weird stuff going on, and yeah, uh, yeah. you just know, decisions and yeah, and stuff to deal with. And yeah, indeed, people in our lives that need help and attention and all that kind of stuff. That's a good way. Just to like what it. a lot of people out there do too, mm-hmm. and uh, we lift up each other in prayer, mm-hmm. and that's part of the Christian walk. Is that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's always keep each other in prayer. If you got a prayer requests, send them to us too. We would mm-hmm. be more than we'll, happy. We'll pray for you. Would you like to start the story you since know, I yeah, rattled on? Yeah. Well, and I think last week you did. You started first, so. Oh, I let you say yeah. I rattled on last week. No, oh. no, no, no. Okay. Um, here we go. This is uh, actually from Capital News Nine in Upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's it says that the mayor of Schenectady, New York, is considering martial law. Considers martial law. Wait a second. I thought that was only when, like, all of society broke down and people were getting their throats cut and everything, mayhem in the streets. Well, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Apparently, this mayor of Schenectady feels differently. Okay. Um, uh, Schenectady Police By Chief... By the way, that's the home of General Electric. I know. I, okay. I actually have some friends who uh, got, are, are like you, Ph.D. engineers, and work there at the lab. Huh. One of them, I even think, runs it. Yeah. I worked at GE, too. Really? And their appliances. In Schenectady? Nope. At Appliance Park. Where's that? In Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Designed yeah. refrigerators. Yeah, didn't you? Don't you have some sort of patent on something? That yeah, a couple fridge? of gadgets when I was a young person. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Most people, if you open up a freezer that's got a you know the door on the top, uh-huh. if you see like a little grommet, all of you insurance try this at home. If you got a GE refrigerator or Hot Point, 
uh, even RCA refrigerators when they made them. Uh, it's got a little oval type grommet that holds the freezer tray in. And if you look in it, 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 it it's got a little step at the bottom of the inside and it keeps the, the thing from sliding out. But mm-hmm. if you lift the, the metal tray and slide it over, it helps you to remove it. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it changed the world as we know it. I thought you were going to say that you invented the ice box or something. Or, well, if you, all, if you all see that, that, now a couple other ones you can't see. They're like built in inside. Mm-hmm. But if you see that anywhere, you all, um, drop us an email at drfuturefuturequake.com and let us know if you, you right. have that. So, yeah. sorry. Uh, well, anyway, Schenectady Police Chief Mark Cherry says, This is unprecedented. All these officers getting in trouble at the same time for all these different reasons. Five Schenectady police officers recently accused of everything from driving drunk to beating up a man are leading city officials to look at taking drastic action to fix the department tainted by the few who may have acted illegally, like Darren, Darren Lawrence and Michael Brown, who were accused of driving while intoxicated. Those two officers were definitely going to seek termination and were not ruling, out, ruling it out with any of the officers who are out, here, out there. Police Chief Mark Cherry has told us you basically have to fire yourself, essentially a million-dollar fine and lost benefits over a lifetime. Still, Schenectady Mayor Brian Stratton said, we believe there are, there are five officers now who could face possible termination. But it's not just the threat of termination. Mayor Stratton told us he's looking at all options, including disbanding the police department, basically starting over. It's something we're certainly looking into. I think the public has had it up to here, said the mayor. Currently, officials are reviewing the legal options and planning to present a full report in early May, options like a consolidated countywide police force or bringing in the state police. Uh, but the mayor said there is another option and that would be declaring martial law. The governor would have to declare it, and then the National Guard would come in. The mayor said it's, it's more for a transition for, to a new police force that, if that were to happen. He said, it may be that as a, maybe that is a stopgap measure. You would need to military forces, state police, National Guard, etc. Mayor Stratton said that the temporary measure would last until the new police force took over. Schenectady's Corporation Council, Van, John Van Norden, said, if you abolish the police department, you still have a need. But not an obligation, but a need to police the community. Okay. Uh, you would need something in, transi- in, in transition. Declaring martial law would be one way to, de- to bridge the gap. It's a contrived scenario, said the mayor, mayor, but it's not beyond the realm of possibilities if we go that particular, particular route. Chief Cheris said, when I think of martial law, I think of rioting. I think of Watts riots and things like that. I haven't seen anything that rises to that level. I was a little more than a little surprised to hear that. But whether the National Guard needs to be called in or not, we'll take a more in-depth look on Thursday at the countywide national police options as officials try to deal with unprecedented situations in unprecedented ways. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Uh, Schenectady, New York, is considering martial law. Well, the first of many. And here you have another town in Alabama related to that who the, the what the mayor mm-hmm. or so called in or sheriff mm-hmm. called in army troops, local mm-hmm. army troops, mm-hmm. which was against the Constitution, but they... Brought them in. Didn't bother. So basically, anything goes. Anything goes today. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised by anything you read in your newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, your town may be under martial law when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Robert Hyde back at our early show years ago, mm-hmm. and he's repeated this a few times. Said it'd be a good idea for you to get to know your local law enforcement people and really develop a relationship with them. Develop a personal kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. it may come the time that you will rely on that personal relationship to help you when things get really bad. Mm-hmm. I think that's something to really to consider. Okay, I've got one for you. Uh, this is uh, Army dispatched in response to in the Fed protest. Really? How about that? Okay, here we go. Uh, 
This was uh, uh, culled from several sources, but it was compiled at the InfoWars website by Kurt Nimmo. Mm -hmm. The Liberty Restoration Project blog has posted an advisory release last November by the United States Army Reserve. Uh, now remember, the U.S. military, uh, by was it posse comitatus, is not allowed to be used against our own citizens on our soil. Correct. Correct. Okay. According to posse comitatus, but that's okay. been sort of long. Day. But that's supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. The United States Army Reserve Command is publishing this force protection advisory to advise all Army Reserve personnel of the planned protest at all Federal Reserve banks and office locations within the United States on 22 November 2008, the document reads. This message provides situational awareness and recommended mitigation measures. Mitigation measures? Now, in the Fed protest, you know, I have been tardy in putting the pictures up, but uh, I was down there with the... Uh, uh, C-Triple-A guys, uh -huh. uh, Christian Action Against Apathy, yeah. and, and a whole bunch of other people, Ron Paul supporters, Libertarians, mm -hmm. Daniel Lewis was there, a whole bunch of people were down at the Nashville version. It was in cities all over the country, large crowd, very well-behaved crowd that was there. Little mm -hmm. did we know that the Army was considering moving in on us. Wow. It says, according to the Army Reserve, the folks gathered and exercising the First Amendment in response to the Federal Reserve's loan sharking operation are essentially terrorists. The Army established relationships with local law enforcement and the FBI and encouraged them to update alert rosters, according to the document. In 2003, Jim Garamoni, writing for the American Forces Press Service, noted that the Northern Command cooperates with other unified commands and shares intelligence with them and also has forged relationships that cut across federal, state, and local agencies. Again, breaking that barrier that was supposed to be there with, with our own military. Mm -hmm. And includes players from law enforcement, emergency services, intelligence agencies, and the military. Uh, let me skip some other things down here. Um, NORTHCOM and Army Reserve's mission apparently also includes reporting all ter potential ter protest activities to the Army Reserve Operations Center. The Army Reserve falls under the Pentagon's continuity, continuity of operations program mm -hmm. that ensure the execution of mission essential functions during a national security or domestic emergency. So uh, another, in addition to NORTHCOM's uh, cooperation with local law enforcement in regard to entirely legal and peaceful demonstrations, a document sent to Alex Jones earlier this month exposes the effort by Homeland Security to work with law enforcement in Missouri mm -hmm. to demonize supporters of Ron Paul, Chuck Baldwin, and Bob Barr. Well, we should talk about that. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in great detail next week. Yeah. And we're going to have, uh, well, we can say it. We're going to have Chuck Baldwin on our show next week. Yeah. And Dr. Rand Paul, the son of Ron Paul, uh -huh. also on next week. And it's going to be an incredible show. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, uh, in this document, um, they mentioned uh, uh, about the Dallas uh, meeting. It says on November 22nd, 2008, Alex Jones led a rally to Federal Reserve Bank in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. The Dallas protest is specifically mentioned in the official Army document. Wow. Ron, Ron Paul's brother was also in attendance. Uh, so, anyway, that's, that's what they're doing. They're gathering wow. intelligence data on all of us. Wow. That's heavy. Christians? Decide who's sad you're on. Like, remember what uh, Joshua said? You know, my day, the, me and my family is, will serve the Lord. And yeah. You remember the quote, uh, who was on the Lord's side? Okay. Yeah. So Indeed. it's time to decide that you got something else to share. Oh, boy. Where to start? <laughs> okay. Well, start somewhere. Uh, if not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay another heavy one on. So. Okay. Well, do we want to have, I, I can't remember if we talked about the Czech newspapers questioning 
the shocking discovery of vaccines contaminated with deadly avian flu virus. And what's your other one in your hand there? Uh, I'm going to decide on behalf of all Futurians uh, here. Good, good, good. Uh, Geithner's plan, extremely dangerous, says economist Galbraith. Well, let's hear the, the, the first one's a little more intriguing to me. Okay. Um, Czech newspapers are questioning if the shocking discovery of vaccines contaminated with the deadly avian flu virus were distributed to 18 countries by the American company Baxter were part of a conspiracy to provoke a pandemic. Huh. <laughs> to provoke a pandemic. Yes, yes. You know, we've had crazy people, sometimes mm-hmm. you and I, who have actually talked about the possibility of doing that mm-hmm. as, a, as another pretext for basically martial mm-hmm. law. Uh, Czech journalists claim... Uh, say the claim holds weight because according to the very laboratory protocols that are routine for vaccine makers, uh, mixing a live virus biological weapon with vaccine material by accident is virtually impossible. Okay. The company that released contaminated... By accident. Yes. I mean, done intentionally. Done intentionally. But just by a fluke is not really Yeah, it's, it's not possible. Yeah. yeah. The company that released contaminated flu virus material from a plant in Austria confirmed Friday that the experiment... Experimental product contained live H5N1 avian flu viruses, report the Canadian press. Baxter flu vaccines contaminated with H5N1, otherwise known as the human form of avian flu, one of the most deadly biological weapons on Earth with a 60% kill rate, were received by labs in the Czech Republic, Germany, and Slovenia. Initially, Baxter attempted to stonewall questions by invoking trade secrets and refused to reveal how the vaccines were contaminated with H5N1. After increased pressure, they then claimed that the pure H5N1 batches were sent by accident. This was seemingly an attempt to quickly change the story and hide the fact that the accidental contamination of a vaccine with a deadly biological agent like avian flu is virtually impossible, and the only way it could have happened was by the willful gross criminal negligence uh, of the companies involved. I don't know if negligence is the right word, is it? I mean, negligence is when something happens because you should have been paying attention didn't. Yeah. And that had to be intentionally inserted. There's really no reason mm-hmm. why a, a deadly virus like that should be put in a vaccine, is there? I don't think so. Even if it was a mistaken shipment. Well well the it's it's crazy that it's crazy that there would be some sort of a mistaken shipment and it's even crazier that there's any sort of live elements in there at all. Uh because inserting a live protein into your body um makes all sorts of problems. And it's mm. not it's not just it's not just giving yourself mm-hmm. a, uh, the uh, flu. There's all sorts of other side effects. Well, the, the question I have is is that no matter who they sent it to accidentally, the mm-hmm. fact that something was put in there, mm-hmm. what was the purpose and motive of even putting something like that in there? Well, it's it's crazy because, it's, you know, I'm not a biologist, but I did sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> um, you you know, they send you this, they send you this flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they send you this virus for the flu vaccine, and it is radiated to mm-hmm. be killed. And then it's tested to make sure it's dead. And then they put it in the flu vaccine uh, and then test it again. Right. Right. And then they radiate the flu vaccine, the, the flu vaccine with the actual virus, dead, now dead was, virus. Was that supposed to have avian, dead avian yeah. flu virus it was? Well, not dead avian. Oh. It was supposed to have flu virus in it. From what I understand, that's how they It was it. intentional that they had flu virus in it. I mean, that, that it was supposed to be. No, it was not supposed to have flu virus. See, I don't understand. You know, why don't they make them safe and just put the mercury and the aborted fetus parts like they normally do in vaccines? Yeah, that's well, not flu vaccines. It's everything else. Okay, all the other vaccines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the the way it works is they send they, they send live flu vaccine. They take a live a live flu virus, radiate mm-hmm. it and kill it, and then and then put it in this vaccine. 
mm-hmm. and then radiate the vaccine again to make sure it's mm-hmm. dead, okay. and then send it out. Right. They were never supposed to have avian flu in okay. this thing, and it was supposed to be radiated at least twice, from, Any, from what I understand. Anything else in there? Um, the fact that Baxter mixed the deadly H5N1 virus with a mix of H3N2 seasonal flu viruses is the smoking gun. The H5N1 virus on its own has killed hundreds of people, but it is less airborne and more restricted in the ease with which it can spread. However, when combined with seasonal flu viruses, which as everyone knows are super airborne and easily spread, the effect is a potent, super airborne, super deadly biological weapon. Hmm. So, there you have it. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's That alone should have crusading congressmen running the aisles insisting on answers well you know there was that there was that clip of uh uh on um scarborough a couple of mm-hmm. years ago where they they inserted live hiv into aspirin yeah in a similar situation and the fda said well you can't sell it here so they went and just shift it to europe and hundreds of people yeah. with compromised immune systems like hemophiliacs yeah. and aids patients yeah. aids patients uh and other people got you know a double the aids patients uh. got a double dose of aids and uh, the hemophiliacs yeah. got yeah you know got aids uh. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible. Well, let me just say something real quick, like Death Not Enough Stew on. we got about 30 seconds. Uh, this was a story that came out from Reuters. Uh, soldier says rabbis pushed religious war in Gaza. From J- Jerusalem Reuters, rabbis in the Israeli army told battlefield groups in January's Gaza offensive that they were fighting a religious war against Gentiles, according to one army commander's account published on Friday. Their message was very clear. We are the Jewish people. We came to this land by miracle. God brought it back to the land, and we now need to fight to expel the Gentiles who are interfering with our conquest of this holy land. Uh, and it was published by the Haaretz newspaper uh, on the second day of revelations that rocked the Israeli military. Now, you know, most of these people are, um, it says here that the killing of civilians, uh, these veterans, uh, alumni of Israeli Defense Force, totaled the killing of civilians and their impression that deep contempt for Palestinians uh, pervert, pervaded the ranks of the Israeli forces. Mm-hmm. There's more that we as Christians need to find out about this to know what's really going yeah, on. Yeah, what's going on there? That's very weird. Uh, it's very disturbing to me. And as a Gentile, it's very scary to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I may be a Christian. I may have a connection to yeah. at least the religious part of this. Mm-hmm. As a Gentile, it makes me nervous. Yeah. And someone who doesn't make me nervous is Merv. So, Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us here? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go quick. Uh, let's get out of here. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed this edition of Tomorrow's Trimmers. We've got a great show next week. Until tomorrow, or t- next week, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.